The Lifestylist, episode 135, featuring Del Bigtree. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. Today's show is brought to you by my friends over at Organifi. Now, if you've been listening to the show, you know I always talk about their green superfood powder because I literally eat it every single day and I'm not even exaggerating. The stuff is amazing. However, they just sent me a tub of this new product called Organifi Gold. And dude, it is so good. It's a ginger flavored tea, sort of like a golden milk latte type situation. It's got turmeric, reishi mushroom, lemon balm extract, turkey tail mushrooms. Of course, it's totally organic. What's cool about it is you can make sort of a bulletproof drink, like a hot elixir with coconut oil, grass-fed butter, or ghee. Or you can just make a smoothie with ice and you know some kind of nut milk or something like that. So you can do it hot or cold. It's got no caffeine, no sugar, and it really relaxes you. So I really like it at night. It's like a nice warm drink. You make a nice fatty little drink out of it. It's gently detoxifying and just really chills you out. So I'm super into it. So it's called Organifi Gold. You can get it at Organifi.com. That's spelled with an I. And as always, your old pal Luke's got a hookup for you. If you use the code Lifestylist, you will save 20% on your order. So I'm still in the green powder, but I'm adding this to the nightly regimen now because the green powder's got a little bit of matcha in it. So I don't like to do that at night. I do that in the morning and I do the gold at night now. And I'm about half a tub in and I'm already freaking out because I'm running out. So check it out at Organifi.com. Use the code Lifestylist and save yourself a cool 20%. This show is brought to you by my friends over at Health IQ. They're a life insurance agency that get deep discounts for people like you and me that lead a health conscious lifestyle. You know why? Because people with a high health IQ are 42% less likely to be obese and have a 50% lower hospitalization rate than those with a low health IQ. So to see if you qualify, to see if you're really healthy and you can get a hookup, go to healthiq.com forward slash lifestylist. 56% of health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance policies. So now's the time when you get the rewards for all of your hard work. I know I've been working on my health and fitness for a really long time. I'm stoked to save some money on life insurance because I've earned it and so have you. So again, go to healthiq.com forward slash lifestylist to apply. Welcome to the jungle, baby. I'm Luke Story here to deliver you another episode of the Lifestylist Podcast. First and foremost, before we jump into this one, I want to just take a moment to take a breath and say a little prayer for you and thank you for joining me on another show. It's truly a dream come true to be able to deliver this type of meaningful content to you, the listener, every damn Tuesday. So thanks again for joining me. Okay, today's episode is a heavy one. I want you to 
put on your big girl and big boy pants. Uh, this is a topic that is very touchy. And uh, I think I've done a good job of presenting it here, but I want to let you know, man, this could be a, uh, this could be a tough one to a uh, tough pill to swallow. Let's put it that way. Our guest today is Del Bigtree, who is the producer of a film called Vaxxed, which I recently saw and uh, it just blew my mind. So I had to get Dell on the show. Dell's an Emmy award-winning producer on the daytime talk show, The Doctors, with a background both as a filmmaker and as an investigative medical journalist. When Dell began investigating the story of CDC whistleblower and the fraud perpetrated by the CDC, he soon realized that he had stumbled upon a story of corruption and deception beyond any he had ever seen. Further investigation into the wrongful destruction of Andrew Wakefield's career orchestrated by Big Pharma and the UK Department of Health inspired him to focus all of his attention on his mission and the film Vaxxed. Since the movie was released, Dell's been traveling across the nation and the world, really, meeting with politicians and standing with parents in the fight to maintain our freedom of choice. Although I don't yet have kids, I'm very concerned about the safety of vaccines and wanted to get to the bottom of this issue with someone who has an alternative perspective, and Dell definitely does. Now, some people seem unwilling to even talk about this. It's constantly shut down in politics and in the media, and that's what this show is for, to bring health issues to light. Well, it's one of the you know many faceted purposes of this show, and that's what we're going to do here today. So the first half of this conversation really digs into how and why Dell made Vaxxed and the really weird controversy around just asking questions about vaccines. I mean, even as I mentioned to a couple people that I was going to do a show uh, with that topic, people got super freaked out just at the idea of it. And I'm like, wait, why can't we just have a conversation? So that's what we're going to do. Here's what we talk about in this really fantastic episode. Learning how to ask questions and think more critically and decide for ourselves. How Dell first learned about the CDC whistleblower, Dr. William Thompson, the scientific fraud and cover-up surrounding MMR vaccine studies, how some people on the left seem to be trying to shut down free speech, oddly, getting kicked out of the Tribeca Film Festival, Robert De Niro's role in the story, Donald Trump and vaccines, the mandated adult vaccine program that's in the work super gnarly and scary, I might add. The fact that 75% of advertising on TV comes from big pharma, the religion around doctors, medical knowledge, and vaccines. And the second half of the show explores the practical health implications of vaccines, looking at what can go wrong and why. So this is not a conversation about autism per se, but it's about the potential health implications of altering the immune system, which vaccines tend to do, obviously. Then we go into really in the second half, uh, why a child in America is 70% more likely to die before adulthood than the 20 other richest nations in the world. Craziness. Why we have the first generation of children in America who will probably not live to be as old as their parents. The big change in vaccinations that happened in 1986. The autoimmune crisis in this country. The scientific method for evaluating the safety of a drug, which zero childhood vaccines have ever done. What's wrong with the herd immunity argument and Dell's dream of a truly independent vaccine safety research organization to hold big pharma accountable. Then finally, how our species is evolving backwards. Yes, it's true. Really scary, but true. But before I let you jump down this deep and dark rabbit hole of an interview, we need to plug next week's episode. I'm really excited about this one. I recorded it with a guy named Chris Chen out in New York, and we cover Qigong 
acupuncture and Chinese medicine. It is a really cool episode, so I don't want you to miss that. To make sure that you don't miss it, you can make it real easy on yourself and just join my newsletter. Text the word lifestylist to the number 44222 and you will be added. Then every week when I put out a new show, you'll not only get notified, but you'll get all of the show notes from every episode as well, which is pretty cool. If you don't want to text the word lifestylist to the number 44222, you can simply go on your browser to lukestory.com forward slash newsletter. couple upcoming events. April 24th, I'll be at Soho House, Little Beach House, Malibu. Then April 27th through 29th, I'll be speaking at Paleo Effects in Austin, Texas. To check out my events, you can go to lukestory.com forward slash events. Last invite for you here. I've mentioned it a few times on the show, but probably not enough. And I now have a Facebook group, you guys, just for listeners of the podcast. To get into the private Facebook group, just search The Lifestylist Podcast in Facebook. You'll find the page there, request to join, and I will let you in and you can join the party. We're doing a lot of Q&A there and I'm posting a lot of exclusive live videos and things like that. You can even watch me record all of, actually probably 99% of the podcasts I do. You can watch me record them live on Facebook Live in the group rather than having to wait for them to come out. So you see all the cool behind the scenes stuff. So that's the Lifestylist Podcast private Facebook group. All right. So of course, this is a very loaded topic and uh, one that has a lot of drama around it on both sides of the argument uh, because it involves kids, I think, and our general safety. So as I always say, there are three sides to every story, my side, their side, and the truth. And my goal is in this episode to get us at least closer to the truth. And from there, you can make your own judgments and decisions about which way you want to go on this issue. So I invite you to keep an open mind and more importantly, an open heart as we go on a deep exploration for truth. Truth with Dell Big Tree. Welcome to the show, Dell. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Good to meet you, dude. I've watched a lot of your videos and listened to tons of your content on audio, so it's it's interesting to meet you in person. I there's so many people that I have an opportunity to interview that I really respect and you know have followed. It's almost like that starstruck thing. You know, it's like a weird experience you have yeah. when you meet someone who you're familiar with, but they're not familiar with you. So right. you knock on the door. I'm like, this is the guy. <laughs> yeah. And I just, you know, it's funny. I just watched Vax last night mm. and I know it's been out for a couple years, but it's been one of those ones. I'm like, it's on my list. I got to watch it. I got to watch it. But you know how it is. There's just, there's so much media and there's so many things. And I was like, definitely if I'm in a relationship and potentially looking at having kids, that's going to be a required watch for yeah. everyone. And that hasn't happened yet. So I was thankful to get the interview because it finally made me like sit down and watch the film. And I, I watched it late last night and oh my God, I was getting so pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, I was like, I'm like, I shouldn't be watching this at night because I could feel my cortisol rising as I, you know, the story unfolded. I'm just like, this is so fucking wrong. Yeah. What's going on? So I'm really grateful to have you here and, you know, get your perspective. And I just want to preface it by saying, of course, this is your perspective based on your work. It's a mm -hmm. really touchy subject that we're about to go into. So I just want to let everyone know, listen, I'm here learning all sides of the story. If, if I can get someone on the show that's got an argument that is counter to yours and it makes sense to me, I'd be happy to have that. I mean, I have people that follow a vegan diet. I got paleo people on. They all have valid points, but there's definitely something fishy going on in this particular area and I want to get to the bottom of it. So thank you for joining me. Absolutely. No, I mean, I I, I totally agree. I, and I say to people, I'm not here to try and tell you how to think. I'm trying to, you know, or, or what to think. 
I'm trying to really help people learn how to ask questions again and critically think about what's going on. You're going to have to make your own decisions. Life is complicated. Having kids is complicated. You know, we have to make difficult decisions and their lives are in our hands. Uh, but the information, we're just not getting a well-rounded perspective of what's going on here. Exactly. So, yeah. And I was listening yeah. to one of your podcasts yesterday and you were talking about you're being interviewed and you're like, hey, I'm not. I'm not, this is not an anti-vaccine film that I made. I'm not an anti-vaccine person. I'm a pro. Let's ask questions and keep people safe. Right. Which I think is a very sober sort of way to position it because it's, it's this and many issues aren't necessarily black and white. And so try to get as much clarity as we can. But uh, for those that have not seen your, seen your film yeah. and are not familiar with that, I know it's a couple years old now and you're sort of, yeah. you know, on to new projects and still riding the wave of that momentum, which is amazing. Um, but give us a little background on why you made the film, you know, this, a synopsis of what it's about. I think it's always important to point out that I was working as a producer on the daytime talk show, The Doctors, on CBS. I'd been there for six years. I won an Emmy Award, you know, on a medical talk show. So my background for six years and before that, I worked on The Dr. Phil Show. So as you, as you pointed out, I come from production and producing and writing and interviewing, and that's what I've done for a career. And so working on The Doctors was a great experience. You know, I got to... Look, investigate the cutting edge surgeons, like new surgeries. I got to go in and shoot the surgery on video and really geek out on, you know, where medicine's going and great advan you know, advances that are taking place. Also looking at alternative sides of that too. But, uh, you know, what I say to people is I'm a fan of science and I'm a fan of good medicine and good doctors. But I also, on that show, uh, there was seven producers because we produced like one show a day, essentially for the whole year. And each one of us every week has to produce a whole show. And I was known for being a little more controversial in that, you know, I would do stories. I think, for instance, uh, when the World Health Organization ruled that glyphosate uh, that's in Roundup, which is sprayed on 80 or 90 percent of our crops in America, when the World Health Organization said that this is probably carcinogenic to humans, which is the second highest carcinogenic rating you can give something, I did a show on that and brought in, you know, I, I managed to get Donna Farmer, the head of toxicology from Monsanto, to come on the show across from Jeffrey Smith, the GMO activist, and actually have a debate oh, on primetime was she, television. Was she actually defending glyphosate? She was defending it. Oh, yeah, my God. Supporting it. it it's, it's, uh, and it blew the, you know, the show, my producers were like, what is this about? It's like, right. trust me, it's going to be big. And then it was going on. They're like, oh, my God. I mean, people are screaming and yelling from the audience. And it just it right. was really. So, but anyway, so that's, you know, wherever there's billions of dollars to be made, I'm usually skeptical. I just have sort of, I think my parents marched in the 60s. You know, I grew up, my parents were sort of hippies. And, and they taught me to always question authority. And wherever there's lots of money being made, you should look extra close. Not that you don't trust them just, you know, and never trust, but always be skeptical when there's a lot of money on the table. And so that's right. sort of where I come from. And so what happened was I was working on the show and one of my contacts that would sort of was a doctor and would feed me different stories he knew was going on inside of these big corporate systems, contacted me and said, there's a whistleblower at the CDC that's going to come forward in two weeks. And he's going to say that they know that vaccines are causing autism. They hid it from the public. And specifically, he's going to refer to uh, the MMR autism study. This was the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine. Um, in It was a study in 2000, between 2000 and 2004. It was right when out of the UK, this Dr. Andy Wakefield had made this connection that the MMR vaccine may be causing autism. 
became sort of a worldwide concern. And so our Congress asked the Center for Disease Control and Prevention to do a study specifically looking at the MMR vaccine and autism. This is that study. Uh, it's the most important study ever done on the issue. And now one of the five scientists, Dr. William Thompson, has come forward, you know, 10, 15 years later and said, we committed scientific fraud. We saw increases in autism from this vaccine, even in our own study. And uh, we hid it from the public. And, and this he, is not a conspiracy theorist. This th is someone working at the CDC. Still working there. Okay. I mean, still, still He didn't get there. fired for... He can't be because he's under whistleblower protection. No way. So just like Jeffrey Wigand in the tobacco story, this is a scientist who got a lawyer and, you know, ended up protecting himself. Wow. And so it's a really... I can't believe not only he hasn't been fired, but he hasn't been assassinated. Well, I mean, that, and that is partly... Um, I mean, that you, in the movie, we get into the details of the fact that he didn't... First of all, he's not like any other uh, whistleblower in that he didn't know he was being recorded. So he, this was a scientist that was calling another scientist and just expressing, you know, his right. those are confessing, the really. In the know. film, those are the audio files right. where you see the waveform of him talking. All we have okay. is four recorded phone calls, four hours of him expressing how they committed this fraud. And people will say, well, he didn't know he was being recorded. Therefore, this people try to say our film was illegal or was illegally made or it shouldn't, shouldn't have been made because he didn't know he was being recorded. And I say that actually makes him the cleanest whistleblower you're ever going to have. Because usually the argument against the whistleblower is that they're somehow trying to out, you know, or ask for a larger salary <laughs> right, or get right, payoff right. or, or right. they're angry at a boss. This guy never intended for his words to get to the public. Yeah, it negates he was, motive. Motives out. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. just simply was just dumping this burden he'd been carrying on another scientist. And that scientist luckily started recording those phone calls. And that makes up the body of the the film and where we sort of that's where we come from. And then of course we interview families that have injured children and you know it goes on and on. But to also back it up is once the uh Brian Hooker was the scientist that he had called. Um, and Brian Hooker, once he started recording the calls, it became evident that Brian then got the study himself. He got, so, so what Thompson tells us is when they, when they saw increases in autism, and essentially what it was, was it was 3,000 children from Atlanta in the study. And they had a large African-American community because it was an Atlanta study. And about 700 of them had autism and then the rest did not. And then they just looked at the vaccine records and the school records and sort of graphed all that out. What makes Thompson so fascinating is, you know, he's the numbers guy. He's, he's the statistician. He was the one actually doing all the graphing and the numbers and saw it firsthand. So in, in essence, he was the head of the study. He's the most important part of it. And he tells us the moment he started graphing out, he just said, all right, let's look at just African children since we have a lot of them. Is there an increase in autism? And he graphed it out on his computer and saw that exactly what they had feared was true. And it was a timing study. So essentially what it was, was they looked at children who got the vaccine, MMR vaccine on the CDC schedule between 12 and 18 months, and then compared it to kids that had waited and for some reason had gotten it late after three years old. And what they saw that was that African-American children were 2.64 times more likely to develop autism if they got the vaccine 12 to 18 months versus those that waited till after 36 months. And then, you know, in science, you sort of test your your results. There's certain things you know that you say, well, look, it, it, this may be an anomaly. It may just be a strange blip in the way these kids were gathered. So one of the things that he said is we know autism is more prevalent in boys. 
So we would have to see African-American boys should be even higher or we just have some sort of weird anomaly. So he ran just the African-American boys. And sure enough, it went from 2.64 times more likely to 3.56 times more likely. So a huge increase in African-American boys. And then what he lays out is this was a study that's only supposed to take six months. I mean, once they would gathered all the data, they'd set what was called the, the protocol for the the uh, study, they've said you sort of lock it in and it's the in the design analysis and you know exactly what questions you're going to ask and just feed it in the computer and let's get the results and we'll tell the world what we saw. It was supposed to happen six months instead it took four years. And what he tells us is as soon as we started seeing these increases, the discussion became our primary objective at the CDC is to promote vaccine uptake, to promote the end of infectious disease through the use of vaccines. And if we tell people that this MMR vaccine is showing a, an increased risk of autism, people will panic and stop vaccinating. And that's going to go against our primary objective. So what do we do? And he said, we spent three over three and a half years behind closed doors, massaging the data every way possible, changing the age groups. Like instead of 12 to 18 months, let's try nine to 20 months and everything to try and make these graphs give a different result. And in <laughs> right. the end, none of it worked. I mean, it's a fascinating story. None of it worked. It and then it they is. kicked half the kids off the study. I mean, that is the most blatant yeah. um, um, scientific fraud you can have, which is you are not allowed to change your study group mid-study. And that's exactly what they did. They kicked half the kids <laughs> right. off the study. Right. You know, just, damn uh, it, what else can we do? Dude, and that's So right. it's I an mean, unbelievable story, and it's a sad story, and it's a scary story. And I think it's going to prove to be one of the great government cover-ups of all times. I mean, like I said, just watching the film, it's it's just so infuriating from all fronts, especially when you get in and you start, you know, talking to the parents mm-hmm. of these kids. And, you know, we'll get into that a little bit later. But yeah, it 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 I'm thinking your film and just this whole thing is going to go down in history. I mean, there's there's so much of this. I mean, with EMFs and smart meters and, mm-hmm. you know, the the health risks of our technology, even just blue light and a lot of stuff that's coming out now yeah. is almost like, you know, when you look at the old, you know, cigarette advertisements where doctors are like saying, oh, smoking's good for you. And you could smoke in the doctor's office in the 40s and 50s right. and whatever. And yeah. now we look back on that and we're like, oh, my God, how archaic. We can't believe they were so full of shit. And vaccines and and smart meters and cell towers and so many things that are, you know, geoengineering. There's so many things now that are so deleterious to just all life on Earth, especially Mm -hmm. in this case, specifically human life, that at some point we'll be looking back on, oh, my God, how did we let this happen? Yeah. It's just maddening to watch it. At the same time, though, it's like... For me, as I've learned about some of these things over the years, just in terms of my own psychological health and well-being, I've had to really resist the urge to get too riled up about it and just kind of zoom out and go, well, what can I really do? I mean, I can do a podcast, but... You know, I mean, I used to be so paranoid about chemtrails, dude. It was like, it started to really affect my day. I'd be driving around with my head out the window Mm -hmm. like a fucking paranoid person. Right. You know, because I know what I'm seeing and there's no way you can explain to me that that's normal. Right. I've been seeing kids, the planes in the sky since I was a kid. No. 1970, I was born. (laughs) I know what a normal contrail looks like, okay? And then I know in the mid-90s, they changed. What did planes change? Did the atmosphere change? No. Something else changed. What it is, I don't know. Why they're doing it, I don't know. But at one point it's just like okay i mean i can send out a couple tweets here and they're like hey look up people there's something strange going on here that's being denied and not being explained or just 9-11 i mean all of the stuff that you're Mm -hmm. just like 
anyone with any common sense and a halfway open mind would have to at least question it. But, you know, where does the question in it and being an advocate for truth end and then your own personal sanity begin, you know? So you discovering uncomfortable truths like you have, how has it affected you personally? I mean, you know, how do you not get caught up in, in the anger and still be proactive? Well, I mean, I think that I'm lucky that I get to be proactive. I, I feel very blessed that the movie has had the success that it's had. It's given me a platform to speak all over the country. I speak to politicians almost every week. I get, you know, I get to go into state capitals and discuss this issue. And, you know, I get to work with guys like, you know, Robert Kennedy Jr., who's a really good friend of mine now. In fact, you know, he's waiting for me. We were just, I was riding over with my, my partner and, you know, Bobby Kennedy pops up on my phone. I'm like, oh, I'm trying to get this rate. I don't have time for that right now. And my buddy says, that's great. Can I you imagine? <laughs> right. He's like, did you ever think any time in your life that you wouldn't be taking a call from Bobby Kennedy? Right. You know what I mean? And so you find yourselves in those positions. And yes, there is anger. There is real frustration at times that, you know, I realize, and I just have to say to myself, first of all, I, I'm not here to, nobody can save the world alone. It's going to take the people. And I'm lucky that I learned how to use media and express and get ideas out to people. And we all can only do the best that we can do. And I sort of have to remind myself that at times where I think, uh, you know, we take on more than... I think that this is all happening for a reason. I think that there's something bigger going on. I think that I'm just a vessel for a truth that that is is awakening in the minds of people. And where I find I get really, I always say it's the only, I, I've always been a pretty laid back and relaxed person. And when, especially when we were just releasing Baxed, you know, there was a lot of people saying they're going to kill you. They're going to, you're, you know, and it mostly wouldn't affect me, but there was twice where I had like a, what I imagined is a panic attack. I was driving and I like this black cold liquid went from the top of my head down to my feet. I was suddenly terrified and pulled over. And I thought, you know, what is going on? And, and the way I talked myself out of it by nature was just Dell. All the hype around this film, I mean, you're getting kicked out of Tribeca. People are screaming and yelling in the news. I mean, you're making a big deal, but it's not you. All you did, like I would say, all you are, Adele, is a filmmaker. Remind yourself that all I did was put people in front of a camera. I let them speak their truth, and I cut that together. Now, what this turns into and this movement it's creating and how big or not big it is, is really not who I am. Just keep doing what you do. And, and I think that it's, you know, on my, in my spiritual life, you know, I see it just as it's sort of your ego slips in and it has a real way of, I mean, you know, I look at it metaphysically from the Bible and it has a way of just sort of coaxing you in and making you think even in the best way, Dell, you're important. You need to try and save the world there without you. And it starts there in a really noble place, but that thought isolates you by yourself. Then you become self-important and then it's only you. You're the only, and then that's when I realized I was getting terrified is that I was believing, I was starting to think that I was something important and special. And the truth yeah. is we're not, we're all yeah. in this together. We're all family. We're, we're riding this blue marble together and you know, we, we gotta, we gotta try and wake, wake like up that. together. And yeah. once I started coming from that place, sort of those fears and, and the anxiety and yeah, I mean, you know, you never get used to being called evil or killing babies or dangerous Dude. to society. And that's something yeah. that I do on occasion. The other side will say, yeah. you know, you're putting children at risk. And, 
you know, I, I knew that would be coming. I knew, I mean, I did my research. I knew what I was getting into. And I would say sort of unlike you, I mean, chemtrails is out there in geoengineering and, you know, glyphosate and Monsanto, but all of these things you can address and there'll be some humor around it, or maybe they'll say you're a little bit crazy, but I don't know that there's another topic like vaccines, like vaccines is there is a, if you bring vaccines up, and I'll be talking to an environmentalist that's fighting fracking and fighting chemtrails. And then you bring up vaccines and it's like, it's, it's their holy grail too. Like, oh no, yeah. you're not going to go there, are you? You're not yeah. one of those people. And I'm like, we aren't even allowed to talk about it. You can question yeah. anything else about health or water or air or food and pretty much have that discussion at almost any table. And there'll be differing opinions, but nothing like vaccines. There are people that will get up and walk away from the table. They will not allow you to discuss this on the news. There will not be a debate. Like they won't even have a debate on the topic with any, no one will bring the other side will not step up to the table to answer our questions. So, I mean, this is, it's really, yeah. then you're like, what is going on? Yeah. This is something I wanted to touch on too is, you know, you mentioned how your parents were, you know, quasi hippies or hippies yeah. and activists to a certain degree. And mm -hmm. the same would be true in my case. My mom was born and raised in Berkeley in the 60s. And, mm -hmm. you know, like I was raised to question things. Yeah. Not necessarily to fight things, but just ask questions. And it's so strange now what I'm observing is from what could be called, I guess, the far left or people that are quote unquote, you know, liberal thinkers. Mm -hmm. It's it's so strange how it's almost culturally reversed where now that side is actually sort of against free speech and yeah. against just, hey, asking a question. Like, can we just say, let's look into whether or not this is safe. Oh, no, 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 no. You're killing kids if yes, you even ask right. the question. I'm like, wait, you guys are supposed to be the ones like fighting the man and like, you know, standing up for the people. And it's so strange that it's like, you know, and, it, and there's a certain duality there that you can't really avoid in a conversation like this. But most of that really is coming from what, is considered to be the left and it's so weird it's almost like because when i was a kid i was like i'm a i'm a liberal like yeah. you know i never i don't think i ever voted in my life but i would have been probably a democrat if i had and yeah. all of that i think i was just so far outside of the whole system and zoomed out in a way that i wasn't really buying into all of it and still i would say probably have that position but i would have said yeah you know if you said are you conservative or liberal i would have been well yeah i guess i'm a liberal i mean i believe in human rights and mm -hmm. rights for all ethnicities and, yeah. you know, sexual preferences. And I don't believe anyone should be discriminated against and things should be fair and just. Mm -hmm. But now it's almost like the logical arguments are coming from more conservative-minded people and free speech is being shut down by the people that were once proponents of that. It's almost as if we've been brainwashed you know? we have, where I, things are things are reversed <laughs> it's like i'm in backwards land i'm like wait these antifa kids are like fighting the wrong thing i'm like no you guys you've been brainwashed to fight i know your fascism and you're using fascism to do it it's so yes. it's so weird it's just really strange to sit back and watch i was you know? just in sacramento yesterday uh they're helping some people oppose a bill by democrats to search your home. They want to search the homes of homeschoolers on a yearly basis using like the fire department to go in and a yearly investigation of your home if you're homeschooling. And I oh just, my God. it's, I, I'm like, dude, 
I, you're right. I mean, and I'm going to, and I, and, and I was sitting there at the rally and I'm the last, I mean, you know, I'm usually the last one to speak because I'm fairly bombastic. Everyone likes the big energy, yeah. but it was like one Republican Senator and Congressman and people running Republicans and very Republican, you know, and conservative. And I'm again, I want your freedom and no one should be in your home. And, and I just found myself getting really depressed and confused and, and not all the values of these conservative people match my values. Yes, they're right on this topic, but I could feel the audience too. Like this is California and people, I could tell like they were all thinking I'm not a Republican. I got up on the stage and usually I know what I'm going to say. And I just said, I'm going to be honest with you folks. I, I'm going through a dark night of soul. I mean, I have been, but standing here and I want to thank those Republicans that have come forward to talk about this, but why is there no Democrat here? How is this a partisan issue? How is it in California where the Democrats are screaming, yelling about being a sanctuary state? You know, we're going to go against the system and you can't we're, we're against stop and frisk. We're against racial profiling. But damn it, those homeschoolers, we want to go in and investigate their homes. <laughs> oh, we're going to bring the military force in, knock on your door and come in and see what you've got going on. there. I'm like, how what is the disconnect? There? It's trippy. And, and it's not and then it's not just homeschoolers. It's the fourth home search bill that's been put forth in the last two years for just all child raising. The Democrats in, and I hate saying, I mean, and I said, I'm a Democrat, I'm a liberal, a progressive from Boulder, Colorado. I'm an environmentalist. When did we start wanting to search people's homes? I was raised that the Republicans were the crazy part. They were the military state. Totally, They're yeah. the ones that are going to be like the fascist government. And now the opposite is proving true. It's interesting. It's so we could go out. It's a totally yeah. different topic. Yeah. But, and it's, you know, but this, this issue has, I say I'm politically marooned. It has yeah. absolutely blown my mind how close-minded liberal open-minded thinkers are on this issue. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, at this show, and I, I really do my best to avoid politics, especially now because it's so it's so heated, and it doesn't yeah. fit within the confines of the show. The show's about health and spirituality. Right. Right. So, you know, I, I have a format, but it it's hard to touch on something like this, where yeah. you're an advocate essentially for human rights and for open-mindedness and asking questions right. and questioning, you know, the the narrative and things like that, and it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's it's strange. just simple. It really, and it may seem obvious to people, but I, it only hit me just a couple of weeks ago. All I am is a consumer advocate. This is just a consumer advocate story, like Ralph Nader wanting seatbelts in cars or making sure that there's not too much poison or poisons are labeled or if something's carcinogenic, right. you should know about it. Right. You know, all we're trying to do is get vaccine safety testing done, and what I can tell you is right. it's not, they've never <laughs> tested them for safety. And so right. you're injecting a product that has never proven to be safe and new ones are coming online and all we want is safety testing. How right. is it that I'm a bad guy for saying, could we please start doing some safety tests right. on these products? Right. Could we start doing tests that look at giving eight or nine of them at one time into a child, never been tested, never gone through a study. Can we look at all 72 vaccines now in, in, by the time you're 18 and do the, all we, I mean, I would shut up tomorrow if we could do the most simple study known to man, which is, can we just take, we have databases with millions of people in them that the CDC is sitting on. Could you just please compare for me the health outcomes of all the unvaccinated children in your database against the fully vaccinated children in your database? And let's just see, are vaccinated people actually healthier? I mean, the computers right. will do all the work. It's really right. simple. Which, again, is the whole point of the CDC and the whole point of right. vaccinations. I mean, the whole idea is to keep us safe. You know when I mean? they say they so. absolutely refuse, we will refuse. And by the way, because of 
Bobby Kennedy, we got to sit across from the heads of our health departments. I have sat three feet away across from Tony Fauci, head of infectious disease, Francis Collins, head of the National Institute of Health, and other luminaries of the CDC, HHS, and asked all of our questions, looked them right in the eyes. And they basically said, screw you, who are you to ask that question? And no, we're not going to compare unvaccinated children to vaccinated children. I just think, wow, if that's not an admission of guilt, I don't know what it is. Like, what is, if you were right, why would you be afraid of doing something that simple? Right, right. Yeah, it's like it's like when a cop pulls you over and asks to search your car, you know? If you don't have anything to hide, you're like, yeah, go ahead, right, man. I'll, right. I'll sit on the curb. You guys call in the dogs, have fun with that. Right. I remember when I first quit doing illegal things in terms of, having illicit drugs on me and things like that uh, many years ago. I was so excited to yeah. get pulled over. I was like, yeah, for once I'm not guilty. <laughs> you know, I was like, sir, step out of the car. I'm like, gladly, right. would you like, please pat me down for right. once. I don't have anything on me. You know, it's like, it's, it's great to <laughs> yeah. feel innocent and be vindicated yeah. as such, you know, so that, that, that is kind of an implied admission of, of guilt if you can't have the conversation. And that's what's so, um, so bizarre about it. But I, I want to get into more of yeah. the, you know, more of the details about, you know, the actual issue of vaccine as I'm 47. I mean, I anticipate that it's probable that I would have a kid at some point. And, you know, based on watching your film and seeing all of these parents and, um, and a friend that I mentioned to that lives out in Austin, who, uh, whose kid is ex experiencing some extreme challenges that mm -hmm. just so happened to result, uh, you know, to come about right after uh, he was vaccinated, you know, I'm, terrified, but I really don't know much about the issue. So I want to get into that. But actually, you know, before I do, I, just on the film, what happened with you guys being kicked out of the Tribeca Film Festival? And where does Robert, how does Robert De Niro play into this whole thing? Because I know he's like a pro, you know, open study, like let's test the safety kind of guys, I understand. But then it was weird because when Trump got elected, and I also want to find out what his position is. <laughs> I remember stuff when he was running where he was like, hey, we got to look at this vaccine thing. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously he got elected and people have their issues with him. But I, that was one thing I was like, shit, that's pretty cool. Yeah. You ask, you know, Obama's quoted in your film. is like, oh, no, everyone just should be vaccinated. Let's not even talk about it. And I thought, well, that was interesting. But then what's strange is that um, De Niro was one of the biggest critics of Trump just, you know, by and large and actually, you know, threatened to beat him up and wanted to have a fight with him and, you know, like literally like I'll kick his ass and stuff like that, which is weird for an old yeah, man. Yeah, and I've had a, I've had a unique <laughs> yeah. view into some of that, I will say. Yeah, so, I have so what's the deal with the Tribeca that, Film okay. Festival, Kennedy, De Niro, what did Trump have to say about it? Has he actually done anything positive in this regard? So... You know, one of the things we knew uh, when we were making Vaxxed um, was that Robert De Niro has a child that has autism. I did not know that prior to making the film, but people close to the film had known that that was an issue that they dealt with. Mm -hmm. And so when we were making the film, we thought, geez, you know, that might be a great place is if we could somehow get this film to Robert De Niro and his wife, Grace, who obviously he's, you know, he's one of the founding members of, of Tribeca. And um, so we submitted like everybody else, but if, you know, you probably know this, but most people don't realize that there's a lot of politics to film festivals, you know, sure. it's not just this, you submit, you're nobody. And on occasion, a film comes out of nowhere, but for the most part, it's who, you know, and getting it into the right people and getting to the right people to look at it. So we did manage to get the film to Robert De Niro and his wife through, you know, we were submitted originally, but we had someone that knew them that was able to say, you really want to take a look at this. And so, and he loved it and said, yeah, this is something that we're very interested in. 
Uh, obviously, it's wow. a topic close to our heart, and so that's a powerful endorsement. Yeah, and so he he helped us move it into the Tribeca Film Festival, and then and then you sort of you get handed off, and now we're just dealing with all the you know the people that put it together, and. I kept saying, you know, and they were announcing, you know, they have different packages of announcements every week. And you're getting closer and closer to announcing that our film's in the festival. And I was calling the PR person saying, can I? And they're like, oh, she's really busy, you know. And I, who are you again? It's like Dell Bigtree with Vaxxed. I just really want to talk about sort of the release idea of, of Vaxxed. And they're like, why? I was like, well, because this is going to be a more controversial film than I think you're used to. I just think they're like, what are you talking about? We're Tribeca Film Festival. Right. I was like, a, no, liberal, a liberal. A liberal. Like we, yeah, yeah, all yeah. we do is controversial documentaries. Right, We're right. known for it. I said, I think this is going to be different. And I would like to suggest, at one point on one call, I said, I would like to suggest that why don't you have a mystery screening of our film? Don't announce what it's about. Just say we're having a mystery screening that's so controversial, we're not even going to tell you you're going to have to be in the theater to see it. And of course, they thought I was just trying to be like hyping up some guys trying to hype up the right. movie or whatever right. and make a bigger deal out of it than it is. So sure enough, there, you know, the day that we're announced with like 30 other films vaxxed and the world just descended upon Tribeca pharmaceutical scene. I mean, CNN news stations are talking about it, saying, how could they have a film about vaccines? And of course, Andy Wakefields, who's the famous, you know, fraudulent doctor from the UK is the director of the film, which is true. Um, and it just all hell broke loose. And I knew it was going to be, I had said it to them and they didn't believe me. And so of course, then you're thinking, well, we might get kicked out. I mean, who knows? I don't know where I can't get Robert De Niro on the phone and I don't know, how, you know what's happening there. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, Robert De Niro steps up and makes a statement. You know, we're three or four days into we're the top trending story on Facebook and, and you know, we're all over the world now. People are talking about this film. In fact, if you went on the website for Tribeca, the, you know, when it said, what are you looking forward to at Tribeca? It said watching films, number one and number two, Vax. Like people were voting wow. in. Wow. I am most interested in Vax. And so in a way, our branding of Vax was bigger than anything they, you know, because of this controversy. And then Robert De Niro said, came out and said, I have a child with autism. Many people don't know this. We are going to stand behind this film. This is a discussion that needs to happen. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And in and, and that moment, I finally sort of relaxed and said, oh my God, we're there. We're good. Right. We're going to, you know what I mean? Right. We're not going to get kicked out. And then I think it was 36 hours later, I got a call from my distributors and they just said, it's over. They're, they're pulling wow. us from the festival. Wow. And I thought, even with Robert De Niro's endorsement, like right. it just was a really, and I think it was scary because then I thought, geez, if Robert De Niro doesn't have the strength and the power to stand up against whatever has just descended upon this festival, then what hope is there for anyone? What hope is there for every parent that's watched their child get injured by vaccines? Robert De Niro just said it on public television. A man that everyone in the world trusts, a beloved actor. I mean, he's never done anything controversial that I can think of that we ever lost faith in him. And he just essentially got tarred and feathered in Times Square, you know, after making a, an open and honest you know, discuss having an open, honest discussion about his own child. And they said, even you, 
even you are not allowed to talk about this. And wow. even you will backtrack on your own festival and not let this play. And so that's sort of how it went down. And, and of course, to his credit, you know, just I think a day or two later, the Today Show was going to have a big special on Tribeca and all the questions were about Vaxxed. I mean, we couldn't, I, I'm not going to complain. We right. all, the they made us the biggest story yeah. in Tribeca I history. I think that's how I heard about you know, the right. film to begin that's with. I was like, I was like it. it must be good if they got kicked out. Yeah. You know what right. When a voice when a voice is uh, you know silenced, I'm always like, well, what are they saying? Yeah. You know, why is the voice being silenced? And it worked that know? way. I mean, and I will say the moment where I got the call and we were just about to be on the news talking about how we were in Tribeca, literally five minutes before I'd been in, in an interview, and I'm thinking I'm about to watch the announcement of us on CBS or whatever it was, and then I get the call, and then sure enough, the news thing was Vax has been kicked out of Tribeca. There's that thing that happens where I thought, oh my God, it's over. I'm done. My career is done. Like I, everything I put into this, I am ruined. And that thought lasted for about 30 seconds or a minute. And then it just, then I thought, hold on a second. I've never heard of anyone getting kicked out of Tribeca. I mean, it's an honor to get in it. It's one of the top honors in film, but I don't know anybody that's ever been kicked out of Tribeca. Are you guys the only ones that have been kicked out? As far as I know. And I thought... <laughs> that is a great badge I'm of like, honor, actually. That's historic. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's amazing. So, it, uh, you know, Robert De Niro came out after the whole event and said, I still believe this is a film people should see, which was a huge endorsement. Yeah. I worked with him and Bobby Kennedy. Uh, Bobby had a... Um, a challenge that we were at the National Press Club, and this is last year, and Bobby challenged anybody, I will pay you $100,000 if you can show me a study that shows that mercury in vaccines is safe to inject into pregnant women, which we're doing with flu shots. Oh, man. And, you know, and Robert De Niro came to be a part of that, and it was, wow. Bobby called me and said, look it, uh, Bob De Niro is going to be here. I want you to be here, and I need you to sort of help coach us on on languaging. And right, so I found myself right. in a room at five in the morning with Robert Kennedy Jr. and Robert De Niro <laughs> asking me, like, "That's crazy. How should we say these things?" And so right. it's just one of those amazing moments. And then know. what was the deal? I, you know, I don't remember. There was so much going on with the the uh, last presidential election. Yeah. There was just so much craziness happening that I, you know, it was just a blip on the radar. But I do recall at some point that. Uh, Donald Trump was saying, hey, we need to look into this. What what was his position and has he done anything proactively now that he is, in fact, president to help the cause? So Donald Trump is the only presidential candidate that I know of that has ever come out and said, I believe vaccines cause autism. He made wow. that statement. Are you serious? He made that statement during a presidential debate. Uh, Damn. When it was like when everybody was involved and it was an amazing right. moment because you could tell CNN was trying to corner him with that discussion. Yeah. Saying you've said that vaccines cause autism. And he says, yeah, I believe that. Like we're trying to get him to retract. Retract. It. Yeah, he yeah. says, yes, I've said that. And I believe that. He's like, I've seen children, especially, you know, someone that works for me. I've watched their kid run around my office, perfectly healthy, went and got their vaccines, and now they're autistic. And he says, we're giving too many vaccines. I'm not against vaccines. I just think right. there's too much, too soon, too many. Right. You know, we need to look at this. And then they went to Ben Carson. Like, and this is where you could see they were going to frame it. And then, Ben, mm -hmm. you're a doctor, you're a surgeon. You know, what do you think? 
wake of the statement, you know, he's challenging vaccines. And Ben said, look, I believe in vaccines, but I will tell you there's a growing number of pediatricians who are starting to question how many and how often and, and what we're giving. He's like, I also believe that this is a parent's choice. And I don't think that I think people really are upset that the government is making this choice and injecting their children without their say in the matter. And it's like, and I'm against that. And wow. then they went to Rand Paul and said, Rand, you're a doctor. Like, what do you yeah. have to say? And he, you know, he made some quip, but he said, you know, I spread my vaccines out for my kids. Wow. And I do think that we should be looking at this closer. And so here you had what was supposed to be the destruction of Donald <laughs> right. Trump turned into, it sounded like these guys are all going to ride home in a car together. Right. So it was an amazing moment. That's and, interesting. And I will say that, you know, uh, then the, the next thing people may remember is Robert Kennedy Jr. was asked to the Trump Towers where he met with Donald Trump and then came out afterwards and said, I've been asked to chair a vaccine safety commission. Wow. Um, and then moments later, People from Trump's own staff came out, says that was not decided upon. It was just a thought. We haven't. And then they sort of changed the whole story right there. Interesting. Uh, but in the end, that meeting I told you about at the National Institute of Health, where we brought scientists and doctors and really challenged what we believe, you know, the real question is in vaccine safety. And I can get into more details mm -hmm. about what we brought to that meeting. Yeah. That meeting was set up by Donald Trump. And we had a representative from the Trump administration there at, by our request. We said, we don't want to have a sand painting where we go in and prove these people are lying to us and not have someone there to witness it. So we had a witness, you know, someone from the Trump administration there. And since then, not a whole lot has happened. We had hoped that there'd be a sort of a continued discussion. I still hold out hope that Donald Trump will get back into this topic because I know, I think it's clear to me that someone very close to him has been affected. I, yeah. He doesn't strike me as someone yeah. that is that empathetic and yeah, really totally, cares. You know totally. what I mean? So the, the fact that he is still... You know, stake that claim and stayed behind it when addressed yeah. says to me that this is closer to him than maybe yeah. he's even. Well, it's it's interesting that you, you mentioned that because uh, you know his whole thing about the the opioid crisis. Uh, I I believe that is possibly related to his brother, who I I'm sure, and someone could correct me if I'm wrong. I believe his brother his brother died of alcoholism. I was never able to recover. Uh, with there may or may not have been drugs involved in that, but he seems to be kind of keen on the addiction and definitely the opioid crisis. Opioid crisis, and then I've heard a lot of backlash criticism. Well, he said that, and then he didn't do anything. Although uh, I think it was yesterday, I was reading something that there there has been some motion toward that end. But it's interesting that he is in opposition to big pharma on a couple of these Look, issues, which like no president's ever had the nads to come out and do that. So as much as he might be flawed. Yeah, I'm some, not, I'm not going to so celebrate ways. him as, as a political yeah. leader. I don't, but I will say on the topic that I am focused on yeah. that I think that we are in a much better place on this topic, even if he does nothing. Even right. if he does nothing, we're better off than had Hillary Clinton been elected. And I and I have to state, I, as I've said, I've, I'm still a registered Democrat. That may not be much longer, but I know that what people don't know is, though the issue I discuss all the time is childhood vaccines, that there's actually a mandated adult vaccine program that's in the works oh by Health Human Services, which means <laughs> we're so all going to be dude. lined up to be vaccinated as adults. And Hillary Clinton was 100% in support of that initiative, and it was called Health people 2020 so by 
2020, there was supposed to have been a mandatory vaccine program for all adults in America. Oh my and God. And the only reason we're going to hit 2020 and not be forced vaccinated is because at the very least, it's not moving forward under Donald Trump. Wow. So God, that's insane. I know. So at the very best, he's a pause button <laughs> right, on this right, issue. Right. And I'm, I'm trying to take that opportunity to wake people up to say, I don't care. This isn't political. It's not Democrats and Republicans. But what I try to say to people is just take the word vaccines out of this discussion for mm -hmm. one second. Try to clear your head. And imagine I've come to you 10 years ago and I say there is a country where once a year they line up every citizen, children, babies and adults, and they inject them. They inject them with 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 things that they don't tell you what's in it and you don't know what it's for. All you know is in order to live in this country, you have to get the state injections. Would you say, oh, get me on a plane and let me move there as quickly <laughs> Dude, as I possibly I can? You would never. You would never. Oh, my God. And so to think that and, and this is this is the genius of the pharmaceutical industry. They've built up an an a false fear right. to scare everybody into you're going to die without vaccines as though cavemen had vaccines. Like, how are we alive as a species right. if that was true? I mean, these, they've been around, you know, for just over a century and, and the greater body of them only arrived in the last couple of decades, you know, so, but they've won. They've won the minds of people that I'm going to die if we're not vaccinated. And anyone that's not vaccinated is going to get us all killed. Right. That's an ad campaign and it's been very, very effective. But what I want to point out is, and I'm sure a lot of people that listen to you probably think Donald Trump is the most dangerous human being alive. And I want to tell you, Democrats specifically, just in, in juxtaposition, are the ones really promoting a mandatory injection system in this country where the state will inject you. They're already injecting your kids. If you want to go to school in California, we have no way to opt out. You're going to force inject my children you know, against my will. And now you're going to force inject me. Now imagine that the person in charge of injections is who? The head of your country. Donald Trump is the one holding your syringe. So think about that. If you know, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play into the fact that I believe Donald Trump is a racist, but think all about those people that do, that thinks he's against Latinos, thinks he's against lesbians, bi's, and 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 homosexuals and African Americans. Why would you, as a liberal against Trump, say, I want to give him the power to inject me? with whatever he wants, because that's what you're doing. We should have learned from our history, Nazi Germany, these things can happen again if you forget <laughs> what happened there, you know? Why would you give your government in a free country, why would you give them that much power? It's totally insane. That is insane. And it's funny because I was, uh, where was I going? A few years ago, I was traveling, I think I was going to Brazil and looking into some travel in South America. and. Uh, you know, I was getting my visa sorted out and things like that. And there are certain countries that require immunizations before you enter. Mm -hmm. And I, don't, I forget what, you know, it was Paraguay. I don't know, whatever it was. And I was like, well, I'm definitely not going to that one. Right. Put that, take that one <laughs> off the list. I'm like, uh, no, dude, I'm not going to get some crazy ass flu shot or something. Right. God knows what in it. Like you said, it's yeah. like, no, I'll... I'll take my chances. Thank you. I went to Thailand and Cambodia a couple of years ago and I did some research and I was like, I can't find any proof that the malaria vaccination actually fucking works. Right. And there, on top of that, there are, you know, uh, possible dangers involved. So I was like, uh, no, I'm definitely not yeah. doing that. Um, so, okay. So that's, that's really good so far on sort of the political, yeah. you know, position on that. Actually, no, it's not. <laughs> okay. There's one other thing, and this goes into that sort of hive mind and this 
this cult, like, thought uh, policing that just freaks out at the very idea of questioning the norm, which would be, hey, vaccinate everyone all the time, do it to your kids when they're, you know, right when they come out or whatever, is that, um, and there was a bit of this footage in your film and just anything I've ever heard about it, there are so many celebrities that are just in that hive mind and and so much like fake news and CNN and Anderson Cooper and all these talking heads that are like, just won't even come close to having the conversation, but are also like just ostracizing and condemning anyone like you or anyone that's just like, hey, can I raise my hand and ask a question here? You're a Nazi. You're the devil. You want to kill kids. It's like, whoa, Hollywood, which again is, you know, supposed to be, I think, liberal. This is where the arts really generate much of the world's art and music and film and TV comes out of here. And it's like, those are actually the most sort of fascist, anti-free speech voices in the world now. It's another one of those backward, Can't, inverse realities. Sense of it. So what, what's up? Why is Hollywood so pro-vaccine? It, do you think it has anything to do with the fact that many of the, you know, the multinational corporations that own the media companies mm. and also own big pharma companies, do you think there's you know, an umbrella pyramid where at the top there is kind of a conspiracy to silence all that because everyone's making money from from the news outlets. I mean, that, like that's that? that's the that's the million dollar question. Is you know, of course, I, every I mean, I travel and discuss one of the most controversial issues known to man. So I get people walk up to me from every walk of life, from UFOs to chemtrails to you name it. Uh, all of the conspiracy theories, so to speak, and you know, and then there's the Illuminati and the that that controlling group <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Are, that they're they're are they? I get this all the time. Are they trying to control population? This population control, oh, right, know, things like right. that, and those types of questions. Right. Um, what I can tell you, and and uh, and I'll be sitting on a panel sometimes, and the person right next to me will go into a whole Illuminati explanation for vaccines. And this happened at NYU. I was speaking just a couple weeks ago, and I had to say, just so you all know, we are very diversified to where we're coming from. I haven't made it that far yet. Right. I'm not in the Illuminati camp. I'm, I'll read right. any book. I'll look. I mean, I'm not saying it's not happening. There is certainly some really hard things to explain with this vaccine program, but I only talk about what I can prove. I'm right. a journalist. I right. really am. I'm not, I'm not out trying to be sensational i'm only feeding people what i'm finding in our own medical journals our own you know described science and medicine and challenging and looking at what i know to be the scientific method and saying it's been abandoned when it comes to vaccines <laughs> right, um, right. but the reason you can't and you don't hear it from sanjay gupta or rachel maddow or Tucker Carlson, although he's actually he's not a good example because he's actually had Bobby Kennedy on his show to talk about. It. But you, the the idea yeah, being like, that gee, I hear people like Jimmy Kimmel, like Jimmy just, Kimmel is on, just, and and John yeah. Oliver did a whole thing on vaccines. And you know what you have to know is that seventy five percent of the advertising, roughly in that ballpark, is is pharmaceutical. There funding. we go. That's so, the connection. So I'm looking all for. of television, you are not working unless you are receiving a paycheck from the pharmaceutical industry. Okay, and so. So none of our news anchors, it doesn't matter. Look, I'm mean, thinking about this is what blew my mind. You had a whistleblower from the CDC, not just some outsider, one of our top right. celebrated scientists saying right. we are committing scientific fraud here and nobody covered it. 
I mean, you could have covered and made right. fun of him, lunatic on the loose at the CDC, or someone better look into this. Either way, it's going to be a highly rated show and people will be riveted to their TVs when none of that happens. Wow. When it's a total hush, hush shutdown, yeah. you know something bigger is at stake. So yeah. that's one of the things. Okay. There's definitely money involved, but I think that this is a religion more than we realize. Um, I think that the liberal mindset is that conservatives are Christian right fundamentalists and we, the environmentalists, are the people of science. Right. And I think that a lot of Hollywood identifies as being scientific and environmentalist and they believe in global warming and global warming, the consensus is in, global warming is happening, therefore it's true. The consensus is in, vaccines are safe and effective, therefore it's true. And this consensus science idea is what makes Hollywood feel really safe I think, coming out in favor of vaccines and trying to crush anyone that questions it. But actually, science is the one place where consensus is meaningless. Right. It really is. <laughs> it's so crazy. You know, I mean, it's the one oh, place. Man. There's always a Galileo. There's right. always that one person. And usually they get thrown in jail. We haven't evolved. Right. We throw you in jail if you go against the, the consensus right. science. It's a I, I happen to believe in global warming, not because every scientist says it, because of my own experience of the planet I'm living on, the weather I'm seeing, the things that I saw predicted in the past. I think there's something going on there. I think there's a deeper discussion on how and what and what's causing it and how much man's involved. But I am an environmentalist. I think these are things that we should be looking at. But I will not, I do not say I believe in global warming because of the consensus. And I also have had environmentalists that challenge me and say, you know, the consensus of science is that, well, here's, there's a difference. The consensus of science, as far as I can tell, I don't see the financial viability to being pro-global warming. I don't see where you get paid off. You don't have Exxon paying. You don't have, so I can see Exxon paying to fight that story. Whereas in vaccines, there's a huge profit motivation to being a part of the consensus. If you want your university to be funded on your cancer research that you want to do, or you're interested in diabetes, that funding is primarily coming from who? The pharmaceutical industry. And so if you decide to do a study looking at and challenging vaccines and saying, hey, I'm not so sure I trust how much they're safe. I'm going to do my own study. Your funding gets pulled. I've, I, and when I made Vax, there were heads of universities, medical departments that said, Dell, I know vaccines cause autism, but I will never say it on a camera because I'll have all the funding for my cancer research pulled. And that's really important to me. And I'm trying to save lives. And my being honest on your topic is only going to hurt those individuals I can save doing the work that I want to do. And that is the stronghold that the pharmaceutical industry has over this. That makes discussion. perfect sense. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Now I feel complete on that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, we could talk for, you know, yeah, you 24 can... hours straight on, on that, but just yeah. the motive, the, the politics, the Hollywood, the media, all that stuff is just fascinating because it, it doesn't add up, you know? So and, it's, and just to, to speak to your audience, to think about it as a religion is really important because everybody talks about vaccines without any information. You really don't have any. You, what you have is my doctor said so. My doctor said it was safe. <laughs> so you have a clergy, you have a clergy in a white 
code, just right. like your priest who said, Jesus said this. You never open up the Bible and read it. Did Jesus actually say that? You just take their word for it. You take the doctor's word for it. And then you have to ask yourself, well, where'd the doctor get their information, which is what my investigation's been for several years now. And they really only go to two places. They go to the CDC or the FDA's websites and say, if there's a challenge on vaccines, what do they have to say about it? And whatever the CDC says is gospel. And I want to point out to people, that's why we have an OxyContin crisis, that our doctors, I mean, if, so they'll say, I always get the argument, you're saying millions of doctors are against us, that millions of doctors are part of a conspiracy to destroy the lives of children. It's not at all what I'm saying. It's not millions of doctors. They are all been lied to the same way you have. Your problem is you think that they have more knowledge than you, that they're somehow investigating and looking at studies that you haven't looked at, and they don't. They don't have the time. They're busy like you are. Yeah. So they go to the CDC website. And if I'm to take your, you know, what you say is I'm going to trust my doctor over Dell Bigtree or over parents that say they saw their child injured by a vaccine, I'm going to trust my doctor. Okay, that's, you're allowed to do that. But your doctor then also then should be held accountable for the Oxycontin opioid crisis. Because if what you're saying is true is your doctor has knowledge and does do their homework, then they should be the primary ones to blame for this opioid crisis that is costing us billions of dollars, is killing over 60,000 people a year and filling our rehab centers because by your definition, your doctor knew. Your doctor knew that because they knew that product and they still prescribed it. What I'm going to tell you is that they didn't know. They went to the FDA website and the FDA said, if you give it this way, it's perfectly safe. And they went to the CDC website and they said, it's perfectly safe. In fact, we knew we had an epidemic in, you know, by 2009, 8, 9. In 2015, the FDA went to the manufacturers of the drug and asked this question. People remember it if they think about it. Would it be safe to give this to children? And they let the manufacturer do a study. And what they, they came back and said, well, we've looked into it. And as it turns out, 11 years and older, yeah, we can use it on 11-year-olds. So while we were in the middle of a crisis, wow. FDA approved it for children. Wow, dude. <laughs> okay? Crazy. I mean, that's crazy. And, that yeah. is, and that's who your yeah. doctor trusts. And so your doctor's got it wrong, and we have a crisis that Trump is fighting in every single state capital. It's going to bankrupt our healthcare system, and that crisis is because really two bad players, the FDA and the CDC. Right. And that's who I blame for this vaccine issue. Your doctors don't know. They don't know where to look, and they don't have the time to challenge the CDC or the FDA when they say this is safe for 11-year-olds or this is safe for your day-one-old baby. They're not. They're not looking into it. I am. Yeah. As a journalist, I'm the only person that I know has had the ability to spend like the last three years of my life doing nothing but investigating the safety of vaccines. What's happened to your career in, in Hollywood? I mean, have you, are, would you still be able to get hired to go produce a TV show or do the things that you used to do or, or have you been demonized uh, um, around this town? I don't know. I haven't, you haven't tried. tried. You're just on your tried. mission. You're doing I mean, your thing. I, you know, I would say that it would probably be difficult at the moment, yeah. um, but I'm not worried about that. I mean, I've started my own show that people can watch, you yeah. know, and I, and so I'm getting to branch out and do things. And, and, and frankly, I think the television's dead. I think that news is dying. I think yeah. people are going to social media platforms. So I'm more interested in yeah. we're creating media. I get to create media every day. Yeah. I've got a new studio. I'm creating media. Oh, I'm, cool. I'm living, I'm living a dream yeah. now because I get to do the stories and I'm only, you know, I don't have to answer to, to anybody yeah. anymore. That's, I get to, to investigate what I want to investigate. Exactly, dude. I mean, that's what about six months into doing this show, I'm sitting here recording one day and I thought, 
I basically have my own radio network. You know yeah. I mean? Like, I mean, I could, I could, in, a, in essence, hire a bunch of people to host a bunch of shows under my umbrella, and I'm, I'm my own media conglomerate in a sense. You know, and yeah. can talk about at least for now, free speech is, you know, looks a little precarious it does at the look moment precarious. in many ways. But um, you know, I can say essentially what I want and bring questions like this yeah. to the table, and those that want to listen, listen, and those that don't, you know, there's plenty of other stuff. I still find it shocking. Uh, I'll be in an airport or something, see CNN on the screen, and I see people glued to it. I'm like, you guys still think this is real? Yeah, no. like, I'm like, I go. I mean, I'm sure, I know. I'm sure there are bits and pieces of mainstream media that are true and you know valid but i mean oh my god because I'm every getting, good lie has a little bit of truth yeah i'm, I'm getting <laughs> most of my information from social media and, and alternative sources uh and that's not to say all of that's true i'm sure it's, right so, the stuff i listen to and watch is biased of course as well but i kind of have a feeling when i'm being lied to and my gut's it. pretty strong and when i Me watch too. mainstream media like some of the clips in your film and i'm like that fucking guy is lying right now. I know. I used yeah. to be a liar, man. I mean, yeah. I have a sordid past. I was. I did a lot <laughs> yeah. of illegal shit, and I yeah. was, you know, arrested. I have a criminal record. You know, I know what the dark side looks like because I've been there. And now I'm living more and more in the light. And I know when someone's lying. And much of the media is just—they're directly lying to your face. And whatever their motive is, might be financial. It might be a dogmatic belief system or position. And they feel they're doing the right thing. And you know, maybe. Maybe they are, and there's a certain degree of innocence, I think, in, in all humanity that we might do things that, um, from one perspective, lack integrity, but a lot of it has to do with intention. So if I turn on C, you know, CNN or whatever, and I'm being lied to, maybe their motive is to protect me from some something, you know, and it's not all this evil, right. you know, Illuminati thing, as you said, but the fact is that I'm a seeker of truth. And I'm, I, you know, the purpose of interviewing people like you and doing what I do on my show is I want to get to the truth. I want to know what's going on. I do not like to be manipulated and lied to. And it's so interesting that so many people still watch these programs on, you know, the old dinosaur media and think that, that's a viable source of information. I remember, you know, you know? I, over the this years, crazy. I've always been like a fan of Sean Penn's and I, I'm sure he's probably against me on this issue. But the one thing I love about him is he'll just fly himself to Iraq. He'll just fly himself right, into Haiti. Right. You know what I mean? And, right. you know, most of us can't afford to do that. But really at this point, because I followed one story, I mean, I really only, I know things about vaccines. I can go on for days. I can bore the hell out of anybody if I want to on all the details of vaccines. But because of what I've seen in this area, I realize, I mean, now people I trusted, Rachel Maddow and people I used to sort of listen to have just straight up, I mean, it's a lie what they've said. Now, whether they were aware they were lying or they just didn't do decent homework as an investigator's. Now I look at the news totally different. I was like, I can't trust any of this. And then there's other stories that I have friends that are covering war in Iraq or bombing of these, you know, whatever that are out there. And they're like, that, that is not what's happening there. Right. And you're being, we're being lied to. And I'm like, yeah. I trust you and I know my story. And so now I'm like, okay, I can't trust anything that's coming out of this box anymore. In fact, and whatever little truths there are, it's not enough. And I think that really, if people feel like, what would you do to change the world? I mean, 
I, I, you know, it's, it's sort of like that. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. You've got to throw your television out or <laughs> totally. develop a really strong sense of humor and never take those goggles off and realize you're right. being lied to. Because what makes this country so dangerous now is if you live in Russia, you live in North Korea, you live in China, you know, your news is lying to you. We think we're special. We think we live in a special place where our news is telling us the truth. That makes us the biggest suckers in the world right now. And <laughs> totally, you know what I mean? And totally. So yeah. that's <laughs> well, that's the thing. Once you, you know, once you shop around for where you yeah. consume your content and get information about what's going on in the world and you hear perspectives that are radically different from the mainstream and from the norm. And as I said, not that all different perspectives are valid, obviously. You feel in your heart at a certain sense, if you've trained your intuition and you've meditated a bit, I mean, you kind of go, oh, just from a common sense, just logic point of view, wow, that argument really makes sense. And then you go back to the mainstream media narrative and you're like, whoa, dude, this is right. like seriously, seriously fake. And, and you know, if that's about, you know, a non-issue, uh, you know, a local issue that has to do with, uh, you know, transportation or education or whatever, okay, cool, no big deal. But some of these fake news stories like i always go back to weapons of mass destruction mm -hmm. i mean tens of thousands of people and you know people that are wanting to support the rights of muslims that they feel are being infringed because now they're not allowed to fly in from certain countries yeah. that are prone to terrorism and things like that i'm like dude why was no one protesting when tens of thousands of muslims are being murdered under a false pretense you know going yeah. into the iraq war and, and all that and i always yeah. say i'm not gonna get political i know it's, it's hard like, not to because it but look, it all because it, in the end we you know we're really just we're being trained to argue and scream and yell without facts we're right. our media now just it just pumps up our adrenaline and, you know, and on any of these issues. And, and that's what I try to point out to people. Take all, take all of your rage and your, in your, you know, your false concern or your bumper sticker idea of what's going on there and, and listen. Listen for a second what's going on, you know, and and I try to do that every week. I have a show, you know, people can watch called High Wire. So High Wire Talk on Facebook where I do exactly what you're doing. And, and, what, and what I think is great is. I don't pre-produce it. I don't try and interview the person. You did the same thing with me. I don't try to interview the person ahead of time like I used to when I worked in television. Right. So I know I only ask these questions so I get exactly what I want you to say. Right. I'm into the journey. I'm into yeah. asking the questions. I'm trying to get as close to being Sean Penn as I can, which is if you've been there, I want to hear the true story. Right. I want to know what's going on. I want to, and if I can read a study, I mean, it's not hard to investigate things like vaccines. It's all online. From the study done, the trials that were done on the vaccine, to what the CDC studies did, and you can read all of them. And that's all we're doing in getting to the bottom of it. And we, this, I really think that there's a lot of bad issues. You, you've named it, you know, EMFs, all of these things, you know, glyphosate in our food. But vaccines, um, people really, you know, they'll complain about pesticides in their food and not realize you're injecting exactly what you're trying to keep out of your food straight into your child's bloodstream. Dude. And, and the disconnect for environmentalists on this, I mean, environmentalists are not right. with us. Bobby Kennedy is being kicked off of boards of, of environmental groups. He started because he's talking about vaccines. There's something wrong with that. What is, how is our religion around this so deep? 
You guys know this show is all about innovating your health and well-being and finding companies and services that are going to support that, right? Well, I just found one called Health IQ that I'm really excited about that I want to share with you. Health IQ is a life insurance agency that gets you discounts based on your level of health and your lifestyle. So just like you can save money on your car insurance for being a good driver... Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance policy for living a health conscious lifestyle. And if you're listening to the Lifestyles podcast, I know that's what you're doing. So it's time for you to be rewarded. You can save between 4 and 33% on your policy by showing your stats and proving that you do, in fact, live a healthy lifestyle. So now all that hard work is ready to be rewarded, my friend. So to see if you qualify, Go to healthiq.com forward slash lifestylist. That's healthiq.com forward slash lifestylist to save on your life insurance policy. Well, let's get into yeah. as we as we move into the second hour here. And I did, you know, sometimes before I'm doing an interview, I'll reach out on social media and be like, hey, who's got questions? You know, I'm interviewing a prominent figure in a particular special field. Uh, and I did get some and they were more about the health implications and things like that. So now that we've created kind of a framework, you know, globally in a sense, let's talk about the practical, um, aspects of, of health. So, oh God, there's just, there's so much to this part. So I guess we could start with, you know, what are the actual physical dangers involved in, in vaccinations? Yeah, when it when it you know when it comes to kids and then later in life, so like what can go wrong and why? So what I say is, I wouldn't be here if America had the healthiest kids in the world, and if this is the healthiest generation of kids we'd ever seen. What argument would I have? Like why, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But the truth is, is that is absolutely not the case. Um, there was a, a article that came out just last month in a major health magazine. And we used to, I used to talk about stuff like this on the doctors. And what it said was a child in America is 70% more likely to die before adulthood than if they lived in the other 20 richest nations in the world. We come in dead last of the 20 richest <laughs> nations crazy. on child mortality. And some of the stats, we have more babies that we actually, we have 50% more babies die on the first day of life in America than every other industrialized nation combined. Okay. Those are horrific stats. Meaning, and I say to people, and I start my conversation with politicians out this way. Now, can you explain that? Do we not have the best doctors in the world? Because I'm pretty sure we do. I worked on a show called The Doctors. I've met a lot of them. We have really great doctors. Do we not have the best hospitals in the world? I'm pretty sure we do. Do we not have more ambulances and the ability to deal with the crisis? Yes. So how is it our babies and our children are dying more than the other 20 richest nations in the world? And so that's where I come to from the question is what is going on? Why? And one of the statements we would make on the doctors, which is this is a is a statistical, I guess you could call it theory. But we say in medicine now, this is the first generation of children in America that is, will not live to be as old as their own parents the health outcomes of our children is horrific. And so what am I looking at? I, you know, and people say it's not just autism. Okay. Autism is not the only concern. That's what got me into this. But what you look at across the board, health 
stats for children. It's terrible. And everyone knows this. They may not be focused on it, but they know it. If you have a kid in school, you're seeing it. And what you're seeing is we have gone from uh, in the 1980s, we went from about 12.8% of children in America had an autoimmune or neurological disorder. So, you know, 12.8% of our kids were sick. We now have, and this is this is all on CDC websites, 54% of American children now have an autoimmune or neurological disorder. More than half. More than half of our kids are chronically ill. That's insane. One in four kids is going to leave elementary school on a drug they will be on the rest of their lives. That's madness. I mean, it's dude. madness. And, and, and having grown up in the 80s, uh, you know, the food's was toxic, you know, regular yeah. grocery store food was just as toxic then as right. it is now. So it's not the food. Right. I was eating, you know, freaking and Captain I, and Crunch I think, Berries and, and MSG and whatever. And I think the food probably getting worse. I mean, I think, uh, you know, across <laughs> right. the board. So, and so what I say is this, you know, we are seeing... I mean, I guess we didn't have as much GMO in the food True. then. I mean, you know? those, and, and I think we should be looking at all those things. But I'm you not, look at the, vari you know, the yeah. variables. I, what I'm saying is, yeah, I mean, maybe the food's downgraded, but also there's Whole Foods now and, yes. and there's, there's a bit of a, a counter to the yeah. dietary and some of the lifestyle. So... You know what? What's what's changed then is uh, more EMFs for sure. Yep. And how is the vaccine schedule like the yep. like? Because I was vaccinated when I was a kid. I've never had any autoimmune issues and things right. like that. I mean, even my parents' generation, they all had this like big hole in their from the, arm from the smallpox. Which is that we what don't it was? get anymore? Yeah. So yeah, yeah we've always you know was, in right. our in our you know however long last hundred yeah. years or whatever it's been, we've been getting vaccinated. So. How, are we getting more of them sooner? What, sure. What's changed to cause that so, drastic so the big uh, decline? change happened in 1986. Um, okay. A lot of people don't know that essentially we were getting roughly 10 vaccines for our whole life uh, up until 1986. And then... So I would have had 10 then yeah, in the 70s. Right. Okay. Yeah. That, that's about what we all got. Okay. And so, when did when did we get them at? What age generally? Usually, certainly not on day one. Okay. You know, like a lot of times six months... And then we knew just spread them out one year, two years old, you know, mm -hmm. and that was about it. It was, you know, and, and then you were sort of covered for life, supposedly. Right. Uh, what changed was the 1986 Vaccine Injury Compensation Act. This was an act, essentially, the pharmaceutical industry was getting so many lawsuits, specifically from the DTP vaccine, the diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis was a very, very bad vaccine. Mm. And there were so many lawsuits that they essentially said to Ronald Reagan, we're going to stop making vaccines unless you protect us from liability. And so he signed the 86 Compensation Act, which essentially said there is no liability on any manufacturer of childhood vaccines. So he was blackmailed any, by Big He was blackmailed. <laughs> any doctor, <laughs> any doctor that delivers the vaccine cannot be sued. Any hospital, any place they covered, you will never be able to sue for an injury from vaccines. Uh, what you do is you go to a state, um, like a really a, a, a kangaroo court where you sue health and human services itself. So now our government defends the pharmaceutical industry, takes your complaint, and you have to sue the government of the United States oh who's going to use Department of Justice lawyers against you to wow. say you're crazy. That didn't happen. But conflict what that of did, interest huge. Much? Jesus and, 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 and we could do a whole show on the conflicts of interest. And if people really want to uh. see all of our arguments there, again, I have a website, a nonprofit. Go to I Can Decide. Dot org and look up our white papers and it lays out all the conflicts of interest that are just mind-blowing. But what that did is was obvious. You immediately took an industry that the only of its kind in this country 
no longer has liability for his product. So what happened? All of a sudden, everything that was in testing and every dream they had of future vaccines, they just were suddenly on the market because they couldn't be sued. And then all they had to do was lobby politicians to say, add our vaccine to the program. Make sure kids need it for this reason. Kids. And so now the lobby is the number one most powerful lobby in Washington. It's outspending oil and gas two to one. Oh my and God. And people think it's about drugs. It's not. <clears throat> the future of this industry is vaccines. Like I said, so they the don't lo- just the lobby want kids. for vaccines specifically, not just big pharma in general. What? The lobby for no, vaccines. No, no, for pharma. Oh, is for pharma. Two to one. Okay, okay. But what people think is they think it's about drugs and the future's vaccines. Think about a product now that, and I think, and I can't prove this, but what I'm investigating is what if they can add a biological element to a drug they were working on? If they can add a biological element, can they call it a vaccine? If it has some sort of living bacteria or viral load in it, if they can call it a vaccine, they can suddenly skip all of the R&D and trials and safety trials, which they're doing, and push it right on the market, get a politician, say, yeah, we need this, put it on the schedule, and now it's a cash cow. And so Damn. we are now, we've gone from 10 vaccines to almost immediately, we're now at 72 vaccines our kids are getting. There's 250 vaccines that are on the right around being approved. And there's thousands of vaccine trials going on as we speak. This is the future. They don't just care about the two or 3% of unvaccinated kids in America. That has all been used as a, as a, ad scheme to get you terrified and needing vaccines. And the flu shot is where you're watching this move over now into adults. They're trying to make you terrified of the flu and they're using a vaccine that's only 10% of effective, which to to make their case, which I think is a really bad choice is going to backfire on them. But nurses, and they're, they're, you're now seeing people losing their jobs if they don't get a flu shot. That's the beginning of the program wow. coming into play on adults. Oh my, okay? it's like so George Orwell. It is, so, <laughs> it is so dude. a science fiction movie, you can't believe it. Oh but God. what I want people to look at is in that same time of that increase, we've gone from 12.8% to auto, you know, 54% autoimmune. And what is that? Asthma. Asthma, like I don't, I, there was like one kid in my whole school that had an inhaler when I was a kid. Yeah, that was very Now rare. there's five, six of these kids every classroom. Diabetes running rampant. That's an autoimmune disease. And people oh, don't wow. realize that. I didn't know that. You know, multiple sclerosis and, and eczema. You know how many kids have got eczema all over their bodies? Or watch the advertising on television. What do you see all the time? Immune suppressants like Humira and things for plaques, psoriasis, and all these commercials. And what is that? I mean, think about the insanity of this. Vaccines are 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 just over making your immune system overreact. That's how it works. And then if you can't stop that overreaction, it's like atom splitting. All of a sudden, your body's constantly overreacting and creating rashes all over your body. How do we stop it? Well, thank God we have a drug now that will suppress the immune system that we set on fire. And so I make this point. They're a great business model. It is. But I make, this is what I <laughs> Create want. Create a problem, then sell the solution. Here's what sell I, them the problem, cash in on that. Right. And then, wow. So we do. When people say to me, how do you know that the rise in autoimmune disease isn't caused by our food, our water, our air, EMFs, all these things? I don't. And I think we should be spending millions of dollars in all those departments for sure looking at it. But what I say to people is when you think about autoimmune disease, what does that mean? It means your immune system has suddenly gotten confused and is attacking the cells in your own body. It's a really weird thing. Super rare. Back, like I said, 12% now, half of kids are going through this. And what I say is if we're going to investigate why we have an autoimmune disease crisis in this country, shouldn't we really put the most attention on the one product that is designed to alter your immune system for life? 
because that's what a vaccine is designed to do. Wow. Think about it. If you describe it, it's designed to trick your immune system into thinking it's had a disease. Trick your immune system. And we're not just tricking your immune system as a child once or 10 times or 20 times or 30 times or 50 times, 72 times and counting. We are tricking the child's immune system. And lo and behold, we have a confused immune system that has now begun attacking its own body. Right. I think that it's, and when I say this to scientists that are in the vaccine program, they're like, that's preposterous. Does what I said sound preposterous to you? <laughs> I mean, that's scary. I mean, you could say we've looked into that, we've investigated it, and it's a good theory, right. but it doesn't prove out. Right. When they say absolutely no way will we look into that, that's an insane comment. That's when I start thinking I'm living in a, yeah. in a nightmare. I'm staring in the eyes of people that say they're scientists, and that idea doesn't make sense to you. And and so, and there are studies, more and more studies are showing that we are actually destroying our immune systems and causing immune havoc. Mostly what the attention is, they'll try to make the discussion all about the antigens. They'll say there's 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 fewer antigens than there's ever been before in vaccines. And and Sanjay Gupta will say antigens, antigens. That's like the 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 proteins or what your body's responding to, but it's the adjuvants that we have an issue with. This is the toxic chemicals that are being put into vaccines to make your body go into a, an allergic shock reaction where it discovers the antigens. And that's got things like aluminum, which more and more studies are showing aluminum is causing autism-like features in mice, in monkeys, and now in humans. More studies around the world. You know, polysorbate 80 is designed to open up your blood-brain barrier. We use it in drugs to do exactly that. And both are saying vaccines don't penetrate and go to your brain. No, they are because you're putting polysorbate oh, 80 into them. wow. So, and we just had a huge study come out of England just a couple months ago by a guy named Chris Exley, who sort of closed the final loop on this aluminum discovery because we've watched all these studies show that aluminum can cause autism-like features. We know that aluminum incites cytokines in the brain, inflammatory events. We mm -hmm. Everything we do in health is to avoid inflammation, yet a vaccine sends your body into inflammation. And we believe and, and have proven now your brain is being inflamed by these cytokines, specifically really geeky IL-6 is what we know. When we want a mouse to act like it has autism and study it, we put IL-6 into their brain. And immediately affects their brain in a way that they start acting autistic and now we can study autism in animals. Well, then we saw that aluminum creates an, an acceleration of IL-6 being released in the brain. And the final discussion on aluminum would be, if that was true, then autistic people might have higher levels of aluminum. Then maybe that's what's causing it. And Chris Exley just uh, dissected the brains of five autistic people and what he discovered, he said, is the highest levels of aluminum ever recorded in the human brain. And so it brings it all around. So anyone that tells you this is bunk or there are top scientists in universities all around the world that are proving we are, we are doing serious damage to our And children. what about the mercury issue? I've heard the that- Mercury, they... well, so mercury was, was the big- the big demon back 10 years ago when this was sort of really coming to a head, right at the time of the 2000-2004 MMR study, mercury was a discussion. It's been phased out of most of the childhood vaccines, but it's still in the flu shot and it's being given to pregnant women. And, you know, 
that's terrifying. And mercury, I mean, it's, it's the second most toxic substance on Earth. It's the most toxic, non-radioactive substance we have <laughs> right. on the planet. So above, injecting... like above mercury is like plutonium. Right, plutonium. And, and people say, yeah. well, it's a tiny trace amount, therefore it's okay. As though, would you ever say, this? it's just a trace amount of plutonium we're injecting into you. And look, you don't have to take my word for it. We watched just a few months ago on NBC, um, they, there was a study came out of the CDC looking at flu shots in pregnant women. And what it discovered, this is a CDC study, what it discovered was there was an increased risk of miscarriage in the pregnant women that got the flu shot in the first trimester. And then on NBC, I'll never forget, Matt Lauer was sitting there and they brought in this specialist to talk about it. She said, well, we are seeing a signal, but we don't really know what the signal means. And we're doing more studies to see what this did happen. It was a seven-fold increase in miscarriage after getting the vaccine. Holy and then crap. at the end of the, the thing on the news, they said, but we're still, while we do these other studies and we're expecting the results of them to be available by 2020. So we're going to wait around years, we're still recommending that pregnant women get the flu shot. I mean, I couldn't believe it. It happened right before oh your eyes. God. And then if you look at the label of every flu shot ever made, it getting, says on it, has never been tested on pregnant women. This is getting depressing. It's dude. really, it's depressing that people are letting this happen right before right. your eyes. And so what I, what point I'm trying to make is you've been told this isn't a discussion worth even having. That right. To give these people a platform to speak about vaccines, it would be like giving someone a platform that the Holocaust didn't happen. You get like these types of, right. they're trying to put it into that category. Right. Well, I'm sorry. Now that you have a study that's come out that says that from the CDC showing that miscarriages are happening, just prior to that, you had a similar study showing a rise in autism if a mother got a flu vaccine while in the first trimester. There, you know, you look at the flu shot, which now is only 10% effective and still they're pushing it. And all of these things are bringing into question then how is this not something we should be debating? How is it we are not debating the safety of a product that's injected into our baby starting on day one of life? That's madness. It's dude. madness. Especially when you think about, I mean, we just when you look at a newborn or an infant, they're just so fragile. I mean, they're just energetically, you hold a baby. I mean, I'm always like, oh my God, am I going to drop it? They're just, yeah. their bodies are not, they're not developed. They're not robust. They're mushy and squishy. And they're just, mm -hmm. they're not like, they have no um, strength yet. You know, I mean, you just look at them physically. They're just very, um, what's the word I'm looking Vulnerable. They're very physically vulnerable. Well, I mean, and that's where I try to start people on the journey. Hepatitis B vaccine is mandated on the day one of life. Within 24 hours, you have got to get this vaccine. People are having child protective services called on them if they try to take their baby out of the hospital without getting this vaccine. Dude, okay. I just had a friend that had a baby at Cedars, and uh, the mom basically had to grab her baby and run out yes. the fucking hall. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was like, it's what? Crazy. A, what is this Nazi Germany? Like, Absolutely. seriously, it's shit is and, and, madness. And think about hepatitis B, okay? That is the same, it's just like AIDS. Or HIV, it's a sexually transmitted disease. You only get, you know, hepatitis B from sharing heroin needles or having promiscuous sex with prostitutes. Now, I don't know how you plan on raising your day one old baby, but I don't think my day one old baby is going to come across those types <laughs> right, of issues, right. hopefully ever, but certainly for some time. So, is the logic so what is the rush? Like, why can't I get out of there? And then when you look at what's in the vaccine, it's just diabolical. It's terrifying. So. Oh man, 
God, this is, it's actually, it's, this is a challenging interview for me because my brain just explodes every time you're talking. There's like a million, a million places you can go. Yeah, avenues to go down. So first thing I want to ask is when it comes to other drugs that pharmaceutical companies manufacture and want to get approved for safety, what do they have to go through? So Pfizer, because, yeah. oh, we know how to cure erectile dysfunction. We're, we have this thing called Viagra. Can they just like, cool, here we made it in a lab. It gives the guy some wood. Let's just put it out. I mean, like what, what process do they go through with other classifications of drugs? The scientific method for deciding safety in a drug is, is called the double-blind placebo study. And what and, and most of us remember this from science. Essentially, let's say Viagra had a 10-year safety study, and half the group got Viagra, and then the other half got a little blue pill, which was a sugar pill painted exactly like it. They had no idea that they weren't getting Viagra, they were getting a sugar pill. And they call it double blind because neither the people in the trial nor the scientists involved in it know who got what. Right. That's the only way you can keep bias out of it because the manufacturer is obviously going to be biased towards their product looking safe. And the only way to prevent from placebo. Right, right. right. So we run them through this study. And so we follow those two groups for multiple years with drugs. It's oftentimes five, six years, sometimes 10 years. Oh, that long. That long. Wow. Uh, as it should be. As it should be. Right. Because if you're going to have, and what do we look for? Cancer. Cancer doesn't develop in five days or 20 days right. or a month or six months. It takes years. So we look and see at the end of the trial, they graph out all the numbers and they don't know who did what. Then they can unmask them and say, okay, what groups had higher rates of cancer? And if the group that got the drug had higher rates of cancer, then it doesn't get approved. If the group that got the drug against the placebo had higher rates of autoimmune disease, diabetes, things like that, depending on how, you know, there's an acceptable level that you, unfortunately they do accept like, well, for the benefit, we'll go ahead and allow that much of an autoimmune disease issue or cancer and those things. I mean, all these drugs say on the side effects, these things are possible, but you have to compete against, and I want to be very clear, an inert placebo, meaning either a sugar pill or a saline water injection. With vaccines, we looked into it and said, well, I was under the impression working on the doctor's television show. That's exactly, I'm sure, how we approve vaccines for safety. And what you would be shocked to discover is that's not at all the case. For instance, and, and by the way, this is exactly what we said to the heads of our health department at the NIH with Bobby Kennedy. We laid out this issue. And what we said was, we can't find a single childhood vaccine that's been through an inert placebo, like long-term safety study. Not a single one of them. What? Hepatitis B, for instance, given to a day one old baby. You know, remember Viagra 10 years, Enbrel and, you know, five years. You know, these are the, the average studies. Hepatitis B safety study lasted five days. Actually, there's two versions of hepatitis B. The other one was a four-day study. They injected it, watched the kids for four and five days, and there was no placebo group, no inert group given something else so we could compare them. We just shot them up and looked at what happened. They're healthy. So they look like they're doing fine. Put it on the market. Five days. Okay. Why aren't there like protect our children marches going I, on? It's, it's, like, it, it, you know, like, and this was shocking. And when I say this, I get attacked online by this is pseudoscience, like pseudoscience. No, no, no. What is pseudoscience is approving something that's injected into children that went through a five day safety period with no placebo group. And so we said to the heads of National Institute of Health, 
Is there a website or are these trials being done somewhere that it's not being listed? Because we're looking at everything the manufacturer puts out. We've read everything the CDC and NIH and FDA put out, and we are not seeing these inert placebo studies. So would you please guide us to where we could see these studies if they're happening or let us know why you are not doing them? And they sort of hemmed and hawed. There's like 10 or 12 of them across the table from us. And they eventually said, we don't do them. And we're like, what? I mean, first of all, it's shocking to have them admit that. And they said, we don't do placebo studies with our vaccines. And we said, why? And they said, because it would be unethical. And the idea being that our scientific body of this government believes that vaccines are so fantastic, the faith that a brand new vaccine for HPV, for instance, which is really relatively new, the Gardasil vaccine given to try and stop cervical cancer. So a brand new area, you're going to try and stop cancer with a vaccine now. They believe it's so great that to put it through a safety test where a group of kids got a placebo would be an injustice to them, to make them five years where they didn't get this great new vaccine. I mean, how many drug makers would feel the same thing about their cancer drug? Like, you're keeping my Uh. cancer drug from people that could be using it. I mean, that's an argument. But And and it's one that we have all the time, and we're thinking about relaxing some of the safety studies on drugs so they can be fast-tracked. But think about this. Those are given to people dying of AIDS or dying of cancer. They're not even allowed to get a trial drug if they're not in the trial. That's right. how strict we are, even if you're dying. When it comes to vaccines— I remember that from, yeah. from HIV, some of the HIV drugs right. years ago. It's like— I'm willing to risk my I'd life for I have friends the, of friends yeah. that are in line for a trial, and it's like taking yeah. forever. And you're like, dude, I, I'm trying to save my life here, and they literally can't get access to those drugs. Right. Vaccines are going to perfectly healthy children. Wow. There's no crisis. There's no reason to rush this to them. Right. They're not dying overnight, you know? Right. So why can't we do a long-term study? And then just to sort of button it up. So you, what I say to people is whether or not you like their argument that it would be unethical, what I just told you is the heads of our health department in this country just admitted to us and to the world we have never tested your vaccines for safety. So therefore, it's an experiment. Your children are a part of an experiment, an ongoing experiment. And so then our next question was, since it's obviously these are experimental products and you're saying they're safe without ev- any evidence that that's true, what is your surveillance program to watch and check if they end up injuring children? Or, you know, if multiple vaccines given at one time are somehow injuring children. And what they would point to is there's only one system. It's called the VAERS system, Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System. It was put in place by the 86 Act. When we took away liability, said, well, let's at least track how safe these are. So in 2016, one year alone, VAERS had 59,711 reported injuries. So this is where if your child has seizures or something right after vaccine, your doctor is supposed to report it to VAERS. Of those 59,000 reports in one year- This is in the U.S.? This is in the U.S. alone. Uh 432 deaths, 1,100 permanent disabilities, and 10,000 emergency room visits. Okay? I think that's a higher rate of injury. Did you know 432 people were killed by vaccines last year? Most people don't. And so I think that's shocking enough. But here's the mind blower. And we said this, and and they would say, well, you can't really trust bears. I mean, because we brought up the 59,000. They said, and we set a trap for them. They said, well, you can't trust those numbers. We don't trust bears. And we said, oh, why? Please explain. They say, well, because VAERS is, is, is a passive system and it's underreported. People aren't really using it. 
In fact, a study by Health and Human Services that <laughs> manages bears found in their own words that it appears that less than 1% of the total amount of injuries are being reported to bears on a yearly basis. So now do the math. And okay. Does okay. that mean 59,000 injuries could have been 5.9 million injuries in the year of 2016? Does that crap. mean 432 deaths is 43,000 deaths? Does that mean that, that 10,000 emergency room visits becomes a million emergency room visits because no one is using this reporting system? That's where we have a problem. So oh we said God, to them, dude. and the CDC, get this, the CDC, we said, why haven't you automated the system? Why are you allowing that low? Uh, for, it's been around for since the 80s, and you still only have 1% reporting in, a, in the world of Microsoft, of, of Apple, of Google. You can't come up with an automated reporting system where if a, par if a parent comes in, it just immediately goes right up into the computer so we can start collecting data on SIDS, on diabetes, on what's causing it, all the things. I mean, this is the future. This is the modern age. Isn't this what we should be using computers for? And you'd be surprised right. to find out that the CDC actually paid Harvard to do a study. Could you, could you automate the VARA system? And they said, just use your own internal Harvard Pilgrim medical system, their HMO, and see if you could automate it. And Harvard did. It took them a year. They got paid a million dollars to do it. And they said, we've done it. And when they did it, they found that the, the rate, they had like 356,000 people get vaccines and there was 35,000 reports of injury, which means 10% injuries, far higher than the one in a million we've right, been told. Right, right. And so did the CDC said, great, Harvard, great job. We've paid a million dollars for this. Now let's automate the whole country system. No, instead, at the end of that report from Harvard, they say, for some reason, CDC has stopped responding to our emails. They've stopped responding to all of our phone calls. We are unable to do any future, future upgrades or research to this study because CDC has refused to respond to us. They just hung up the phone. Wow, dude. And they've shut it down. They don't want it automated. They want right. to live with their heads stuck in the sand. This is what I'm trying to tell people. Wow. If vaccines are so great, what is up? with not being forthcoming with the science. Why won't you do a vax versus unvax study? Why won't you run placebo groups? And by God, why won't you automate a system when you know you can do it? That is so shady, dude. Shady. So let's play devil's advocate here. Okay. Because I mentioned to a couple of people that I was doing this show and they're like, whoa, 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 you're not doing like this vaccine craziness. Like, I just don't believe in that. Like we have to have them. Otherwise, you know, my kids aren't going to be safe in all of this. So in your view, you know, and of course we started this, like we're not anti-vaccine here. Right. We're just saying, hey, we're anti not thinking critically and asking questions when there's so much obvious evidence that's saying, hey, something could be wrong here. So are there any, you know, vaccines currently? Say I have a kid. I mean, do you believe there are any that are valid and needed? Do do my does my kid eventually need the polio vaccine or measles or chickenpox or the HPV or I mean, what happens if a kid doesn't get them? Cuz I have mm, four or five friends that are kind of hip to all this and have had kids no vaccines at all. Yeah. Don't, you know, if they don't have, if they can't send them to school in California, they're fine. I'm fucking homeschooling and their kids never, ever. I mean, I know one parent in particular said their kids, uh, her girl's like five. She's never even had a cold or flu. Like has never been sick. All their friends are dropping like flies. 
all of them that have not vaccinated their kids say that their kids are unbelievably healthy and are just amazing, amazingly smart and talented and don't have any problems. So, I mean, is it dangerous to not get any? What, what, what do we need? Well, first of all, what I would say is I'm not, I don't give medical advice. Sure. Okay. Okay. What I can say is that there is a risk to disease. Most definitely. You have to weigh as a parent, you got to make decisions for your child. You know, do I risk the disease or do I risk the vaccine? And the problem is you're not getting the full story on the dangers of the vaccines. Mm -hmm. You're being told the dangers of the disease. And a lot of that's really blown out of proportion. And, but you're not being told the dangers of the vaccine. And you as a parent are going to have to, you're going to make a decision. And what I'm trying to tell you is don't make the decision because your doctor told you so. You went and investigated every car seat before you bought it. You looked into glass versus stainless steel versus plastics in the bottles you were going to give your kid. When you, I mean, when I'm talking about when you're having a baby, you get really anal on everything, the bag, the bed, the foam, SIDS, pillow, no pillow, blanket, no blanket, wood, plastic, all of it. You're, you get obsessed. (laughs) And then after all of that obsession, you hand your baby over to the doctor without question. You let them inject things into that baby. And you never, ever read the insert. You never yourself said, could I please see the ingredients list of what you're injecting into my baby? You trusted this one person so much that you never asked the important questions. And so all I can tell you is you got to, I, I hate to tell you, I know that's one place you want to just be able to hand it over and fax it in and say, I'm going to let someone smarter than me handle it. They're not smarter than you, and you are putting your child at risk. And at what level of risk? Um, that is what, you know, without data collection, without automating VARES, without doing some of these things, we're left with a lot of of speculation. But what I can tell you is right what I just told you. It looks like 5.9 million people may have been injured in 2016. That's pretty alarming. And that's really dangerous. And so I think one of the most powerful medical tools is especially mothers. Mother's intuition is why I think we're still alive as a species. And mothers being taught to override that instinct inside of them when it says, my baby's screaming like I've never heard them getting this vaccine. Something feels wrong, overriding that because the doctor says, don't worry about it. this is what you're supposed to do. Um, that could be brain inflammation right there. You might be watching your child's brain inflaming inside of their brain and they're screaming bloody murder. On the other hand, if your intuition says, I really feel like my child needs this, like really genuinely, I'm not going to get in the way of that. You know, you, I do believe there may be someone that, vaccinates their kid and protects them from a disease that maybe was going to kill them. I think that there's a spiritual connection to everything we do, but make sure that's where you're coming from. I will say this, that when I did vaxxed, it was all about one vaccine, the MMR vaccine. And I traveled the country in a bus that had vaxxed written on the side of it. And we, about the fourth showing in New York, when we finally opened, I was, we were speaking after every screening and I said, Will everybody that has a vaccine injured child just please stand? I just thought as a test, I'm curious how many people are drawn to this movie. And three quarters of the audience stood up, like a hundred people stood up. And I thought I got punched in the chest. Like I made a movie about an injury and there's five or six stories in that film. 
nothing prepared me for the ocean of injury that is out there. And so I started doing that at every screening for over a year. And what I would say is by the end of the year, finally, we started having audiences that were only one quarter injured people and three quarters of people that just heard about the film. But for a whole year, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of parents. And so then we started interviewing them. We started letting them sign their names on the bus if their child had been killed or died after a vaccine or were injured by a vaccine. And that bus has, you know, 10,000 signatures as we drove around the country. But the big question that kept coming was, is it just the MMR vaccine? Is it just the MMR I need to avoid or is it all vaccines? And I would say the only thing I can tell you is that as I've interviewed people all over the country, there's not a single vaccine that's been left out of. Every vaccine has killed somebody's kid. Every vaccine has destroyed the brain of somebody's child. And what those total numbers are, I don't know. What I was shocked to find out was more people claimed that DTaP vaccine had caused their child's autism than the MMR. And my film was, and I admit that as MMR was the big smoking gun in our story, but just so many people came up and said, we never got the MMR. Our child got autism right after the DTaP vaccine. And so, you know, when you look at it, the injuries are everywhere. And so I've done things and we we don't have time to get into all the details, but the the things that I think when I do a presentation and and Bobby Kennedy, I put this, the same presentation we gave the NIH and we looked into the Institute of Medicine. So the Institute of Medicine is the brain trust of our top scientists uh, in the country that aren't working for the government. So it's an outside private group that the CDC once in a while will reach out to and say, could you investigate something for us? We want to get outside the government, get a fresh pair of eyes. And they have time and time again said, look at the complaints on the DTP vaccine. Um, there's, there's 22 injuries people are claiming. Can you see if they are being caused by the vaccine? And in that study, they came back and said, well, we've looked at all of the available literature uh, around the world. And we found that four of these injuries are definitely could be caused by the vaccine. Two of them definitely not caused by the vaccine, but the remaining, you know, uh, 16, we have no idea. The science doesn't exist. Well, this has gone on for years. And the last time they did it, um, there was 155 reported injuries now. So 155, and we're not talking about light things. We're talking about transverse myelitis, which is paralysis. Uh, You know, the myelin sheath, like demyelinating conditions where your muscles, like ultimately you won't be able to walk or move, like serious, serious Tourette's and things like that. So there's 155 of the most common injuries being blamed on four different vaccines. And I went and looked at it. And this is after every time they've done this study, they complain to the CDC and say, you know, you aren't doing enough studies because there shouldn't be this much unknown about a product that's mandated on our children. The last time, 155 injuries, 134 of the 155, the IOM came back and said, there is zero science. We can neither confirm nor deny whether the vaccine causes these injuries. So think about that. So the CDC comes out and says, well, look it, that means they're all safe. No, that means you can't say they're safe and you're saying they're safe. In fact, in the 2011 study, they looked at autism specifically. And this is something that we point out. IOM was asked to look at the DTaP vaccine and the Tdap. So all of the versions of diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis, people complain their child got autism from it. Does it cause autism? 
And they came back in 2011 and said, there is no available science to determine whether it does or does not cause autism. Okay. Now, when you hear Sanjay Gupta say, we've extensively looked at vaccines and we know it's not the cause of autism and you hear it over and over and over again. Well, here's the truth. The IOM looked at one of your 16 vaccines and said, there's no science. In fact, they admit there was one study done by, it's called the Geyer and Geyer study that showed a link to the uh, autism from DTaP, but they discounted it. Why? Because it used the VAERS system, which is unreliable because it's underreported. Oh I mean, think God. about this crazy <laughs> thing, right? But here's what's amazing. When you look on the vaccine, when your doctor gives you the, the sheet saying, here's the injuries you could expect, like swelling of the arm or whatever. Yeah. And if you have more concerns, go to this website, the CDC website. When you punch in that website, the first thing that comes up is this headline that says vaccines do not cause autism. It's the first thing. Top of the wow. page, the banner, it's that important that they get across to you that vaccines don't cause autism. And what do they cite as their proof? Down in the bottom, it cites in little letters the 2011 IOM study that only looked at one of the 16 vaccines and says we can neither confirm nor deny whether it causes autism. So that website is a straight up lie by a government agency. And the truth is this, there's 16 vaccines. The only studies ever done where they took real autistic kids and compared them with other kids that got vaccines. The only studies ever done is the MMR study, which my film is about. And that was a fraud. There have never been autism studies looking at the other 15 vaccines our kids get or the combination of all those vaccines together. Never been done. You can take that to the bank. You can say that and your doctor will say he's lying. I will stand here on the grave of everyone in my family and tell you it has never been done. And we said that to the Institute of Medicine. We said that to the NIH and they admitted that that is true. Wow, dude. So what about the argument of, I have a kid, I want to put him in school, he hasn't been vaccinated, and the other parent's saying, you are Satan because now, because your kid's not vaccinated, and the rest of the kids are, you're going to make our kids sick. Right. There's the logic in that, I'm having a hard time. It's just stupid even when you say it out loud. It'll yeah, because right? that's, <laughs> that's the argument. It's like, so my kid that has not been vaccinated is a threat. Well, you're just, then that implies that vaccines don't work. Otherwise, your kid's safe. Correct. Who cares if I put my kids got freaking polio, measles, whatever? You're fine because you were vaccinated. The other 99 kids, you know, in the school of 100 are vaccinated. My kids not. We're good. So, like, so the truth is, so is what's, that what's the deal okay, with that? So that was the argument that people people have been on. There have been people not vaccinating their kids. At, it's sort of like homosexuality. It's always been the same percent of society. It's always been around two or three percent of people from the beginning of vaccines, you know, with smallpox and polio that just didn't want to be a part of that system. It's always been two to 3%. Nothing's ever changed. And the argument those people would make going into schools, because every school we've had mandated vaccines since the beginning, uh, but we always had exemptions. You could exempt out on, I have a religious, you know, right. issue or whatever, a personal belief issue. And that's, what's being taken away. It's what was taken away in California. You can't exempt out. Oh anymore. my God, that but, sucks so bad. But the argument was always, then they, they didn't have an answer. Parents would say, if you're so worried about, you know, if you think vaccines are so great, why are you worried about my kid? If your kid's been vaccinated, they're safe. They changed it. They have a brand new, what they changed was the argument. They could not get around that. And it stymied them for centuries. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a pretty centuries. obvious one, dude. It stymied them for centuries. But I got to hand it to, they, they must 
actually hired some real geniuses inside of the ad department because they said, we can't get around this. How do we get around it? And they came up with this concept of herd immunity. And not that herd immunity existed, but it was a different term for a different reason. But the idea became it's not about the vaccinated. It's about the immune suppressed child that can't vaccinate that this tiny percentage of individuals in school that are either suffering from leukemia or some sort of disease where they vaccines would be dangerous to them. And because of them, we all have to, the the herd has to be vaccinated to protect the one. Okay. Okay? So it's a different argument. So they no longer, it's not about protecting my kid. My kid is protected. It's about protecting that one sick individual. And so this is the big argument. It's, it's what Senator Pan sold in California. When I travel around to states that are trying to fix their exemptions, this is what politicians are worried about. And I can destroy herd immunity as a myth in any room of adults in the country. And here's what I said. I just did this in Mississippi last about a month ago. They're trying to get a religious exemption. They're just like California. They have no exemptions. They're trying to get a religious exemption on the books. And so we had the head of the health committee was there. We had all these people, nurses, doctors, and then all these politicians in this huge forum, about 150 people in the room. And I got up and gave my presentation about the NIH and how none of these things are tested. And I said, what's the big concern? I said, and then you hear it shouted out. It's, it's herd immunity. I mean, we're if we have a religious exemption, fewer people will vaccinate and we'll lose herd immunity okay here is the death of herd immunity uh it works better visually with 150 people in the room but this is what i said okay so the mmr vaccine specifically we talk about that one herd immunity means 95 percent of people have got to be vaccinated with the mmr vaccine in order to achieve a cocoon for that five percent or those unvaccinated individuals well first of all the two to three percent shouldn't even affect you so that right away is how is two or three percent not vaccinating hurting your herd immunity? So, but that's not my argument. Ninety-five percent of people have to be vaccinated. So, and I said, does everyone agree? I said to the health committee, is that correct? Am I not making this? CDC says she's like, no, that's it's ninety-five percent. Okay, just so everyone knows, I'm not making this up. Then I brought up a slide that has the CDC's adult vaccine program, and it has two vaccines of MMR, two MMR shots for all adults given over time. Why? Because vaccines wear off. They've never achieved having a vaccine do what natural immunity does, which is once you've gotten it, you're immune for life. Right. And that's where the term herd immunity actually comes from. Which is why I don't get chickenpox anymore. Right, exactly. You don't get chickenpox anymore. So herd immunity comes from when people were naturally got the measles in a town. If 60% of them got the measles, they don't have to worry about getting it again. And it won't be able to get into that town. That's where the concept comes from. Right. They've commandeered it and tried to say, we can achieve this with vaccines. But here's what I pointed out. So because vaccines wear off, usually five to 10 years max, does the most of our vaccines last, which is why you have boosters now going into adulthood. It's why you hear they're adding a new um, uh, uh, pertussis vaccine, the DTaP vaccine, because of all these mumps outbreaks. All the mumps outbreaks are actually that's MMR. They're adding another MMR because of the mumps outbreaks in college students that all got the MMR vaccine. It's like, well, let's just add another one because it's wearing off. It's clearly wearing off. So they wear off. And so I said, the CDC says every adult needs two vaccines in their adulthood boosters in order to be protected against measles. So could everyone in this room please do me a favor? Will you raise your hand if as an adult in the last 10 years, you've had your MMR booster shot? Health department was there, health committee, every politician in the room, and one little old lady raised her hand. 
And this is true across America. Herd immunity is not 95% of our kids have the vaccination. It's 95% of everybody of your entire population has to have the vaccination or herd immunity doesn't exist by their own definition. So they're lying to you. They're making it that if we can get wow. these two to 3% of children vaccinated, well, unless you're vaccinating the bus driver, your waitress, the, oh, you know, okay. your own parents, <laughs> right, right. if your own parents haven't gone in, if you are sitting there screaming right. those dangerous unvaccinated kids and you have not gotten an MMR boost in the last 10 years, you are lying to yourself. Damn. You were the most dangerous. And so I said to this group, I said, because they'll say, Dell, parents come to me and they'll say, if you do that, you're going to put all my children at risk. I said, you know when they were at risk? When they brought their kids to your office because you are currently capable of being contagious with measles. Right. And so my argument is not that you should, we should be forced vaccinating every adult. And people say, Dell, it's a really dangerous argument because you're making their argument for them for forced vaccinations, except yeah. while you still have a mind, where is the giant measles outbreak that kills people? Where is the return of polio? Where is the return of smallpox? Because here's the truth. You aren't at 95% vaccine uptake. Almost every adult, everyone driving or listening to your podcast right now says, that's true. I'm not vaccinated. I haven't been vaccinated and neither has anyone else around you. So if we are not dying of diseases right now, why are we even repeating this herd? Why do we think we need it? It's a myth. It's a total ad campaign wow. and it's a complete and total scam. Dude. That is crazy. Isn't that crazy? That's a, you're good, man. You're, that's it. That's and you good, know, that's good journalism, bro. You know how I came like, up with seriously. that? I, I came up with that argument in the middle of someone that was debating me outside of a vac screening, a scientist yeah. that brought up herd immunity and this and that. And it just hit me. And I said to her, yeah, herd immunity. When did you get your last vaccine in the last 10 years? No, I can't remember when. I said, so then you don't have herd immunity. It hit me right there in the middle of an argument <laughs> and ever since. So there it is. Right, herd immunity right. is a complete and total myth. That's, um, that's just called common sense. Common you know, sense. Something that's very uncommon. That's it. So I got a couple of questions before we wrap it up okay. here that are from listeners and even from my friend uh, in Austin who's just having a terrible time mm -hmm. with his kid, man. I just, I mean, it's like, one of the worst situations I've ever heard of, like yeah. someone I directly know, not something I watched in a documentary, but yeah. a friend of mine calling me going, dude, you know, can you chat? I need some support here, man, from just friend to friend, man to man call. Uh, you know, my kid at this point can't be left unattended. Mm -hmm. He, if we don't watch him, he runs around the house and smears his feces all over the walls yeah. and he's not how communicative. Old is, how old is he right now? I think he's um five or six, okay. something like that, between five and eight around there. And I, you know, and I, I didn't know where he stood on the issue. So I said, dude, don't take this the wrong way, but I'm just purely curious because I really don't know that much about this issue, which yeah. is why I wanted to interview you. I, I really sincerely want to learn for myself, let alone just get the word out. I said, did it have, you know, was there any correlation between a round of vaccinations and what happened to your son? He said, yeah, all this happened right afterward. And I was like, yeah. oh shit. So you kind of know about this. He's like, yeah, we've been looking into it and yeah. things like that. So some of these questions come directly from my friend who will remain okay. anonymous. Um, yes. Are there any treatments um, that you've heard of that are being used to help kids recover? Like, have you heard of any kids, you know, that develop these autoimmune issues or autism actually finding help and having them reversed or at least improved at all? Absolutely. Um, in fact, I would recommend that your, uh, your friend look up, uh, there's a convention every year called Autism One. 
mm-hmm. and all it is is thousands of parents coming that have gone through the same experience and all sorts of practitioners that are bringing things that are working with children. And uh, I'll be there this year. I'm going to be speaking at it. Oh, cool. Uh, it's a huge and it's extremely informative. But what I want people to know is that you, you know, I have met kids that have been recovered from um, autism. They got the diagnosis and now they've returned and they've caught up to the grade they were supposed to be in and they're back in school and they're, they're thriving and doing very well. Um, I will say that there's a tentativeness around saying that they're fully recovered because usually the parents will describe their child as having left that di- that really dire state of lacking communication skills, being in diapers as adults, which they're, you know, and, you know, or, or it is all, there's a whole host of really tragic events. And you're right. Uh, parents of autistic children, it is one of the most difficult things I've ever watched. Now, there's a varying range. And one of the things I get attacked on people that have this is you're against autism people and people that are Asperger's or in college will attack me saying you're making us bad. You're saying we're bad. Um, it's a very complicated issue when you deal with that. But there is certainly an end of the spectrum where they're they do much better in school and things like that. But there's this other side that your friend's dealing with that nobody talks about. And all of media is trying to make the face of autism, those successful Asperger's, that we just need to accept autism. It's just a part of our society. It's always been here. This whole argument, ridiculous. I mean, we know it hasn't been here. If you remember being a kid, you never saw it. I never I mean, so that's even heard argument. of it as a but kid. But what yeah. I want to say is, there are people that really are bringing their children around. And what they'll say is my child is still a fragile being. And what I think that my investigation and the scientists I've talked to, what I've been led to believe really is autism is really just children that cannot detox as fast as other kids. It's not some it's, and this is what Andy Wakefield was just starting to pioneer and get into when his, when his license was taken away, they had to stop him because pharma could not have a good looking, brilliant man who had published 140 articles on the gut and gut health be investigating vaccines, which he was. So they went way out of their way to tear his license away. That's a whole other episode, Mm -hmm. but essentially diet is huge. There's huge right. things with diet that are helping right. these kids. Your friend's probably on it if he's even begun looking into this. Yeah. A lot of these parents remove casein, uh, which is gluten. in dairy and gluten, right. and those things have a lot of success. There's people that are chelating and that. And, and what's sad is most of these parents have to do this underground. Because if they, some of the success that parents are having, because doctors aren't helping at all. Doctors are saying, well, just keep talking to them and do A-B therapy, which helps, like some Mm -hmm. recognition, brain therapies. But the people that I meet that really are having success recovering their kids, it goes way deeper. And they're trying all sorts of things from different types of enemas and things to clear. And if it's discovered they're doing it. Child Protective Services will come and take their child away and put them in an institution where they will not do anything for those kids. So it is it is the most horrific and diabolical story I've ever come upon. Doctors are doing nothing except making demons out of parents that are trying everything to get to the bottom of autism. And all of the advancements are coming from parents and what they're doing and doctors that are reaching out. But there's all sorts of therapies. And what I would also say is, you know, what, what the parents at Autism One will say, if you've met one autistic child, you've met one autistic child. They're all different and right. the varying degrees of injury. And they'll also say the diet 
got them saying their first words, but then we plateaued. Then we chelated, and then we got them full sentences, but we still had the you know, the, the anger issue or this and that. And, and so they keep, you have to keep moving, and it's extremely expensive yeah. and really, really difficult. Um, but there is hope. And, you know, not for everybody. We don't know why some kids really respond and others don't. But at five years old, you know, there's still a lot that can be done, but it is not an easy road. In terms of the, the, you know, the financial burden involved, because as you know, as I was explaining before we recorded, I'm really into a lot of alternative therapies. Just, I don't even have a disease, God, knock on wood, but I'm just always trying to improve my health. So I'm into all sorts of biofeedback and PMF and hydrogen and all Mm -hmm. sorts of crazy stuff. But these devices are, you know, five, ten, twenty-five thousand dollars in it. most cases. So, um, have you heard of any sort of charity or foundation that helps fund families with, you know, the medical expenses or even alternative medical expenses uh, involved yes. in this? Yeah, Generation Rescue would be the place to go. That's Jenny okay. McCarthy's um, group. Uh, she successfully recovered her child who went back to school. I mean, it's amazing to me that she's been dragged through the mud and ridiculed and, you know, um, for being a good mom, for being a good mom (laughs) and for speaking out and being on Oprah and saying, I saw this happen to my child. I'm trying to warn you and bringing on the doctor's television show that I worked on. You know, she brought the doctor that was helping heal her kid. And all we did was attack her and that doctor and, and, uh, a guy named JB Hanley, who's one of the great voices in this movement actually, was sitting in the front row of the audience and engaged uh, Travis Stork, who's the star of the show. And really, it's a great YouTube video if you want to watch it, but he really laid it down to the point where Travis is almost crying and screaming. He's so frustrated. But Generation Rescue, is that's exactly what they do. They, they, they have donors and they bring in money to try and help guide you in the right direction and help pay for some of the things cool. that you might need. So great it's, resource. It's a great resource. Uh, is there any hope of the CDC changing their stance on vaccines? I mean, is there, is there anything, you know, in terms of the, the government agencies that is looking hopeful? We have got to stop living in a time where we think the government's going to do anything <laughs> right. for us. Okay. You know, I think yeah. that it's really yeah. going to happen in, in the people and more and more people are waking up. Every art, article you read now, every study being done by the pro pharma people says, we don't know what to do. The numbers are growing more and more people. I think they said 20% of all parents are now questioning the safety of vaccines that come into pediatricians. That means our, our message is getting through and people right. really are saying there's something wrong here. There are really simple fixes. I think that are going to take government action. The CDC will not shift on this because the CDC has a huge conflict of interest. As I pointed out, their primary objective is to promote vaccines as a way to stop infectious disease. That is a perfectly noble cause. I'm not against that cause. I, you know, I think they should be working on an Ebola vaccine in case someone tries to use it as a weapon. I want to have things available in case, you know, there's, I'm, I'm aware that we live in a time where there could be biological warfare. I just don't want the Ebola vaccine when I don't need it. And right. that's a lot of what's taking place too. Right. And I want safety studies to have been done. But right. either way, you cannot give vaccine safety to the same group that is promoting vaccines. And that's the problem you have. As someone put it, right. there, there was a great guy, Dave Weldon, who was a, a senator uh, that was on this, or actually congressman out of Florida. And he says, look, it, we launched the space shuttle. That's what we do here in Florida. It's one of the things we do. And we know that you cannot have the guy that is responsible for safety of the rocket being the same one in charge of the countdown and making sure that it launches on time. 
Okay? <laughs> right, because right. one of these jobs isn't going to get done right. right. They have to be separate bodies. Right, so right. what we're trying to promote, and the idea that we want to get out there, is a vaccine uh, safety board, the National Vaccine Safety Board, NVSB, because we have precedence for this. We have the National Transportation Safety Board for exactly this reason. When we first had airplanes and Boeing and all these were flying around, when there was a plane crash, we would use the group that was promoting air travel all over the world, and it was a huge boom for America. We used the same group promoting to go investigate the crashes, and then we said, wait, hold on a second. At some point, we said, Wait, this doesn't make sense because it's always pilot error. How will we know if it's the planes, if it's the people building the planes that are doing the investigation? Right. And so we created the National Transportation Safety Board, an independent body outside of our promotion body that all they do is investigate. And crash tests on cars. You don't want Ford doing its own crash test, okay? Right. Because it's always going to look really pretty. Same yeah. thing with the, we have the, um, the uh, nuclear regulatory agency, same thing. Nuclear energy was a big boom. They were promoting it, and then they were going every time there was a meltdown, and somebody said, hold on a second, that's a conflict of interest. How do we know we're getting the whole scoop? We think the same thing is true about vaccines. And in fact, if you think about it, you can't find a doctor that questions vaccines publicly anyway. So science can only be done with a certain level of skepticism. So if everybody doing your vaccine science believes that the greatest invention of the 20th century how will that, how, how do you know the studies are being done correctly? So we want to take vaccine safety out of health and human services, out of CDC that are all involved in promoting and defending in court and all these conflicts of interest and create a totally independent body of great scientists that are paid very well so they won't go off and work for Merck after they exonerate a vaccine and really start doing true safety studies with natural, obvious skepticism. And then, and only then, can you say that a vaccine is safe? So that's one of the fixes, I think, immediately. Yeah. We could easily yeah. we could easily have our government just put liability back on this hundred billion and more, you know, billions and billions. Just put liability back on them. If you just said, you know what, we're tired of covering for you. We don't want to spend the money. You are going to be liable for your own product. I assure you, half your vaccines would come off the schedule immediately. The right, moment they right. were they could be sued, this thing would change overnight. Well, that was one of the questions. Are any parents getting uh, compensated through... You know the the legal system, the vaccine court. Yes, the vaccine we've, court. We've paid out now three point seven billion dollars in damages. Really? Yes, and that is in the most difficult court system you could ever go to. That is about a one percent rating of people that know about it. Same as the VARES system. Mm -hmm. Most people don't know that they had a court system they could have gone to, and then it fights you the whole time. I mean, I could go on and on. Yeah. But just think about this conflict of interest just for a second. So when you sue, you don't sue the manufacturer like you would for Vioxx or because right, they're or protected Oxycontin. under the Reagan eighty six totally thing. Okay. So you sue the Secretary of Health and Human Services. Uh, okay. okay. But they use Department of Justice lawyers to fight you and say you're crazy. In fact, Department of Justice lawyers, in almost every other circumstances, defends the citizens against corporate misconduct. That's what they do is they go after corporations. This is one of the only place where it's totally turned upside down, and now they're defending the industry against you. So your own government's being used against you to prove that you're crazy and that there's no way your child's injury happened from a vaccine. Now, think about this. If you're in this court system, there is no jury. 
There's no judge. It's just a special master. No press is allowed in the room. No precedence is allowed. You are not allowed to refer to somebody else whose child was injured just like yours and won as an argument in your case, which you do in every other court system in this country. And there's no discovery. You are not allowed to ask for the trial records and how the same thing was approved from the beginning, not allowed into the court. So all that happens then is now you have to prove causation. You have to prove this vaccine causes this injury. And how do you do it? You have to find the available science that has been done that proves it. And who was supposed to have done that science for you? HHS, the group you are currently <laughs> oh suing. This is like Think ep- about that. This is like the episode of the Twilight. It is, it is it's like, messed wait, up. Oh, as dude. you could ever imagine. So does this anyone is like, ever win? I say this is like a murder trial where the murderer is the one doing all of the forensics. Right. It is so corrupted and so corruptible. It makes no sense in how we got ourselves in this situation. I don't know. So does anyone but, ever win and get yes, money? We've still paid out. Uh, As I said, $3.7 billion under those circumstances. And that is with a $250,000 cap on death and permanent injury. Wow. So when people say they're safe and effective, not true. Right. Under the worst of circumstances, billions of dollars being paid out. But when you talk about money, I want people to think about this. We have now gone from, in my film, we talk about there's, you know, one in 68, you know, is the number of one in 45 kids with autism, depending on what study you look at. And that's up from one in 10,000 kids with autism in the 1980s. So this is, this is the fastest growing. It's the only exponentially growing disease in this country. Cancer is not growing that fast. Nothing is moving at this rate. So just a couple months ago, CDC did a survey, and now the number in the survey is one in 36 kids is being diagnosed with autism. The fact that Sanjay Gupta never even told you that number on the news, that you have a crisis that could end American greatness as we know it. And think about this. So one in 36 kids at that rate. That means by the time my kid who's, you know, eight or nine and, you know, our children are 20 years from now, when they're adults, there's going to be 5 million new people, 5 million adults with autism, more kids coming, but 5 million adults. Okay. CDC says it costs between two to $5 million to raise. And you asked about alternative methods, all this just by what they approve. Right. Would cost you two to five million dollars to raise that child. Let's just take the lowest number, two million dollars for five million adults. That's ten trillion dollars in debt in 20 years from now, just to autism alone. That is the end of every insurance company you know. That is the end of every medical system we know. And that is on the verge of bankrupting this nation. And that's if we plateau right here at 136. And that's only autism, which is only one of the complications. And if you think and wonder, just ask yourself, why is nobody talking about that? This one thing could be the collapse of society. And when they tell me, well, we know it's not vaccines, I've already said all the reasons we know, but think about this. I say, imagine a lineup. You're telling me that we have a crime that's committed. We are one in 36 is now being injured. And we have taken the one, the one person out of the lineup, the one argument out of the lineup that hundreds of thousands of parents all pointed to across the world and said, that's what did it. That's been taken out of the lineup. No one else has put some other cause in there that has stood the test of water. They try to say it's genetic. How is it genetic? If in, 
in just two generations, we've gone from one in 10,000 to one in 36. We don't evolve, folks, we don't evolve that fast. Right. Our genes don't mutate that fast. <laughs> right, like we just, right. it doesn't happen that that's fast. Like a, that's like a science fiction movie. It shit. is yeah. clearly, clearly an environmental issue. And as I said, let's look at the thing that the parents are all pointing to. Right. And so I have interviewed thousands of these parents and people will say, well, vaxxed, you know, doesn't prove that, that, MMR vaccine causes autism. I would agree with that. What it proves is that five of our top scientists at the CDC thought they were seeing that it caused autism and they committed scientific fraud. Vaxxed is proof of scientific fraud by our most important scientific body. Why do I believe that I know that vaccines cause autism? Because of the thousands of people I've met and interviewed like your friend. Credible yeah. lawyers and doctors and scientists, very smart people. Yeah, these aren't like that, a bunch of kooks and not hippies. Kooks. Yeah. That so clearly lay out what happened to a child. And remember, when we first discovered autism in the 1930s, 1938, a guy named Leo Kanner, he couldn't find but seven kids anywhere. And he even said years later, if this was more prolific than we realized, I am now publicly known by every psychologist in the world. And still, I only get around seven people per year to show up. So clearly this, and people are flying from all over the world right, to right. see Leo Kanner's kids. So right. anyone that tells you this has always been here, where's the old folks homes filled with autistic people? They don't exist. Whoa. This is brand new. And, right. and, and if you hear someone you used to trust say autism has always been here, we're just diagnosing it better. I'll say this, stupidity's always been here. And we're diagnosing that better too. <laughs> oh, dude, that's 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 great, man. Um, all right. So lastly, as we wrap this up, okay. you know, and I'm I'm glad we're able to get around to some solutions, you know, because I don't want to leave people like, oh my God, we're totally yeah. fucked. So there there, yeah. you know, there is some hope here. Um are there any states now that currently allow exemptions? And if so, meaning that you can opt out due to religious beliefs or yeah. whatever, are there a few left still? There's only three you can't. There's only Mississippi. Uh, oh, only three that you cannot. Right. Okay. There's only Mississippi, West Virginia, and California. Goddamn California. Uh, yeah. How <laughs> California decided to hop in with Mississippi that is just is like, so... we want to follow Mississippi. That is really, that's strange. And I actually think Mississippi is going to go the other direction. They're this close. They, they didn't are. pass it this year, but we've made arguments for religious exemption. So if, that I, live in really, if I live in Arizona and you have I have a baby available. and I tell the doctors, F you guys, I grab my no. kid, run out of the yeah, birthing room. They will tell you, you don't have a right. They right. will, in every one of these states, they'll tell you, you can't send your kid to school. You can't leave this hospital, but you have to know you can. And, and you so, just simply, you know. So kindergarten comes and I take my five-year-old in. Hey, cool. I want to register my kid for school. Yeah. And they're like, we, we need to see your, yeah. your vaccination card or papers. And I go, no, no, I'm Amish. We don't do that. Then they have, you have to, to fill buy out an exemption based on your state's requirements, okay. whether it's religious. Do you religious. have to hire a lawyer to do no, that and spend money no, on it? No, most places it's really simple. It's getting, okay. New York only has a religious exemption. It's getting harder and harder to get it. So okay. it's it's closing out. Okay. There's no doubt they're trying to take it away. These right. are laws that there's there's vaccine safety groups all over the, in every state now that are currently fighting every time. They are trying to take away your exemptions. That is the number one goal of the pharmaceutical industry. They, of course. They, because once they take away all exemptions, then they can force mandate adults. Right. And then they go from this 2 or 3% of maybe 10 or 15 million they weren't vaccinating. They want 320 million Americans that are indentured to their products. <laughs> Thank God for the Second Amendment. That's all I'm going to say. While it <laughs> come, exists. Come hopping in here. 
here with a fucking handful of needles, you're going to get a face full of lead. Well, I mean, and that's why they're against those things, too. I'm not getting shut up anytime soon. Unless I see a good reason and there's tests that prove to me that it's safe for me or my kid. So so in a state like California, where this weird draconian law still exists. So if I have a kid now, uh, what are the legal implications or, you know, educational uh, restrictions that are going to be imposed upon me if I drag my kid out of the hospital when it's born, or maybe I have a home birth and there's no vaccines even in the conversation. That's the, that's the, what happens when I try to take that kid to school? They say, we want to see your yeah. proof of vaccines. You you're don't have it. They, you're not getting in. What about no. a private school? or Private it, school, same thing. No private school. The law has covered private schools. It's covered uh, uh, public schools. As I said, they want to search home schools because right. I pulled my kids out of school based on this. There's no way I'm, you know, I mean, think about this. You know, when we think about an exemption, I'm a, I'm a medical journalist. Okay. Right. I have investigated this more than anybody, more than your doctor, more than you have. You can have whatever opinion you want, but my opinion comes from a three-year investigation. Right. And no matter, because of that, as a professional, I've done my due diligence. I still can't put my kids in school and say, I opt out. I opt out because I know for a fact these aren't safe right. and I'm not going to risk my children's lives. It'd be unethical for me. Yeah. Knowing what I know to put these things into my children. I can't put my kids in a private or public school now. And now they want to come and search my home. Right. So your only option in California right now, if you don't want... Is a medical exemption. Okay. So the medical exemption, it reminds me of the Salem witch trials, which is you only get a medical exemption if your child has already been injured by a vaccine. (laughs) God, dude. All right. So, so let's say you have a kid. Or you find a doctor that's willing to risk their career and give your child a medical exemption based on some family history. Okay, but there's a right. whole witch hunt of those doctors now going on. Right. In or a doctor who would be, you know, possibly squirt it in a garbage can or into an orange and say your kid got the right, right. Some sort of falsified. And there's those people are out there. Thank God. Yeah. Hey, listen, if anyone knows those doctors, hook me yeah. up with them. Um, I'll keep you confidential. So right now, so essentially what I would have to do is then be left with no alternative, but to homeschool my unvaccinated kid. And if I'm home, schooled, I could be getting raided essentially. Well, we're fighting that. I'm hoping we beat okay. this bill. I'm keep fighting that bill. There's a great group that people should look into called Parents United for Kids. They sponsored this rally we were at yesterday. Uh, there's a second bill now coming down. There's two home search bills that are coming onto the docket in California. Wow. All Democrats, by the way. All Democrats wanting to bring the police force or fire That's department so in to yeah. search your home. The Fourth Amendment. And I, I stood on the, the steps of the Capitol yesterday saying is it i mean liberty we there's a pledge of allegiance today where we mentioned liberty our constitution's opening paragraph life liberty and the pursuit of happiness is the unalienable right we have has the democratic party turned on that is liberty now a bad word in this party please let me know because (laughs) i I will have to change my affiliation i think it is you know it seems like it from the outside in i mean it says without probable cause like a definite dangerous probable cause you're not allowed in my house that's the fourth amendment right so you're telling me your probable cause is that i sit in my home and i teach my child science english and math that's your probable cause to come and search my home right this is, it's a science fiction movie this is getting really really scary yeah that's that's interesting yeah i think for me, I mean, we were talking about this before we recorded, and it's almost like, 
start dating someone, this is a conversation you need to have. It's sort of like the homeschool, you know, looks like we're doing no vaccines. We're going to do homeschooling. Like we're going to have to unplug from the system. You're I mean, going to have to be agreed I've interviewed on that. one doctor and I want to do more on this about, um, you know, the dangers of hospital childbirth and, you know, the uh, advantages and risks involved in home birthing mm-hmm. and things like that. But where I'm sitting right now, I'm like home birth, doula, midwife, fucking kiddie pool, no vaccines, a la natural, yeah. go to the hospital only in an emergency, no vaccines. And then when they're four or five, it's homeschool time. And, like, and there's people listening I, right now. I, got are, a, I would have to be off the grid because there's no way I would have a baby that I love uh, and subject them to something that is just unproven and just so risky. Right. It's just crazy. When you say that, I know there's people out there like, oh my God, can you imagine like a birth at home and not vaccinating your kids? <laughs> and I want to point out that if if we need these 72 vaccines to survive, then that says to me, we're the, and, and you're into science. Like I, you know, I, I can approach this. My dad's a minister. I love being down South because I can just pump, you know, beat on the Bible and talk about divine creation, yeah. but I'll go to science and say evolution. Do you believe in evolution or not? Because if what you're saying is true, that we need these vaccines and more to come and more and more vaccines is going to make us healthier. And we are, we are, and then it's only by nature that we've gone from 10% to 54% autoimmune disease that our immune systems are working worse and worse. We're the only species I know of that is evolving backwards. Wow. We are we are adapting to our environment less and less. We are dying in the environment we've been in for tens of thousands of years. We'd be the only species that that would be true about. When every other species adapts and gets stronger and stronger and more and more capable to live on on the planet it's on, we are being convinced by science that the opposite is true for human beings. That right there is an anti-scientific concept to me. That your natural baby, born naturally to you, and you're eating good food, drinking clean water, yes, getting sick. And, and, And so we really get into all the details. But you know how many people died of measles before the vaccine? In 1961, if you go to the CDC website, before we ever had a vaccine for measles, the death rate of measles was one out of 450,000 people in America. Oh my God. And that's like one of the biggest right, that's fears. The, that is the that is the yeah. light your hair on fire. We're all yeah. gonna die. In fact, more and more people are making this statement. I would rather my child have autism than the disease the vaccine was protecting them from. Whoa. You would rather your child have a permanent lifelong neurological disorder that could be as bad as your friends wiping feces on the road, diapers into adulthood, no one to take care of them once you die, than four days of a rash? Wow. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I mean, it's, oh, it's that's incredible. Crazy. That's the, crazy. The, and you talk, it is brainwashing. Go go look it up. There was a Brady Bunch episode where every kid in the Brady Bunch got measles. Wow. And the whole thing is how it's the best disease because you don't feel that bad and you get all these days off from school and they're eating ice cream and playing board right, games. Right, right. And the mom checks it off. All right, we've had mumps now. We've had measles. That's where this was at. It right. is I kind of remember that disease. when I was a kid, yeah. actually. Yeah. I mean, it was like chicken pox, Same thing. Yeah. Chicken, chicken pox. Yeah. Which was brutal. I had it when yeah, it I was sucks. 14. Sucked ass. No, dad. It sucks. But yeah, I'm here to, you know, tell the tale. Um, wow, Del. Well, dude, I mean... What a wealth of information and what a great opportunity to just at least tell another side of the story. I mean, we can all turn on CNN and hear the official story about a lot of things that definitely raise some questions. And I love your perspective that 
uh, to me, you're, you're, you're not an extremist at all. It's everything you said to me is very logical. It's actually just common sense. And so I appreciate your point of view. And, you know, I think we've really done a service to our listeners that, you know, either have kids or plan on having kids and at least can raise these questions and make some educated decisions and not just go along with the herd mentality of this crazy Stockholm syndrome we currently yeah. live in, you know, where it's like, we actually trust a government, you know, I mean, I just, uh, I, I want, I mean, like, and I, I know we've got to close it up, but I yeah. mean, the kick I've been on, I, I just watched Darkest Hour about Churchill and this idea oh, yeah, that yeah, I just saw that too. It was so powerful. And yeah. I think one person was really against this whole, like I'm a peace loving guy, but there are times where peace is not the answer. There's yeah. a time we're standing up and fighting. And, it's like, and I think where is our fight now? Where, where do we stand up as individuals? Individuals do make a difference. Individuals make the, the greater whole great. And when you start seeing how often our choices are referring to us as the herd, that the entire reason you should be doing something is so that you're a, that you are better part of the herd. You're a herd. You're a herd. We used to joke about this, right? When we were kids, we're like, what are you, you know what I mean? Yeah. What are you, a cow? Yeah. And now that's the better, that's the state of being in America. You're yeah. supposed to just be a member of the herd. Yeah. And I say, no, you're supposed to be spectacular. And that's what makes the herd healthy. So this idea, and it's in every part of our education, I'm sure you've covered that. Everywhere we're telling kids, your individualism, your idea, your intuition, your own thinking is not what's important here. You must do what everybody else is doing. You must contribute to the herd. And I think that that thought system is what we have to wake up from or, or we're going to do more than just destroy the Constitution and the dream of this, this country and our founding fathers. We're going to destroy humanity. Yeah, I, I don't think that's an exaggeration at all. <laughs> I mean, you look at the way things are going, thankfully for people like you. And, you know, like we said earlier, the uh, advent of our current uh, access to media, I think, is our only hope. I mean, can you imagine if we had been going on this trajectory and not had social media and the ability to share in the even just the Internet, the ability to share information where information is being held by a very, you know, a small group of people at the very top and us peasants are just wandering around following that herd mentality and doing as we're yeah. told and being good good citizens, you know? And uh, now we actually have the ability to at least have a voice for those that are interested. And, you know, there's people going to listen to this show and think we're nuts and go ahead and vaccinate. And that's cool. Go for it. Yeah. You know, it's like live, live and let live right. is, is, is my thing. But I'm, I'm really supportive of offering an alternative point of view. I just put out a show uh, this week. It's a three-part series all about water because I'm a huge fan of spring water. I, mm. I gave you a glass, yeah. but that water is yeah. collected by a friend one. of mine. It's all lab tested. It's very safe, but it's from a spring in uh, Oregon and it's never been touched by man except put into the freaking bottle, you know? And it's just the most pristine, God-given, mysterious, beautiful substance on earth. And there's been a recent um, news smear against us crazy hippies that are drinking gutter water or something or runoff from a farm. or You know, it's, all, it's like just totally a story taken out of context and all these thousands of news organizations ran with it where my friends were like, don't you drink that unsafe water? I'm like, unsafe water is the water coming out of your tap, dude. You know, we've, we've, this is not a new trend that people are drinking true, you know, natural <laughs> right. spring water, a new trend, try right. a 2 million year old trend. Right. That is why you're breathing right now, you know? Um, so Imagine if I didn't have the opportunity to share a different perspective, you know, and people have been responding to this episode I put out this week and they're like, oh my God, I never thought about it that way, you know? 
there, this is how we got here. And there, there is safe water that comes out of the planet from the depths of the earth that is the best water you could ever drink. You have an amazing immune system. Yeah. It's designed to come in contact with disease. It burns and has a fever, which, and people, we know that there's certain cancers you will not get if you've had measles naturally. I mean, there's all sorts of studies that show those types of things. Your body's supposed to go through these experiences. And what makes us strong? We are actually weakening the species, I believe, with all these vaccinations. Now, uh, you know, everyone can come to their own conclusion. I think there's way too many. Maybe there's a time and a place for it. All of that should be, but all of it should be up for discussion. And yeah. what should really scare people is anything. I don't think there's anything that we should allow in this modern age to say that we're not allowed to talk about that. That's been settled. That's done. Right. That's that's the least scientific statement that could ever yeah, be made. The true scientific model is research, search and research Always with an open mind. Constantly <laughs> questioned. Well, dude, thank you so much. Uh, my last closing closing question for you is uh, is around the idea that you've taught me so much. I mean, honestly, it's going to take me a while to digest. I've learned so much. Our audience that's been watching and listening has learned so much. Who have been three um, influential teachers or teachings in your life that you might point us to if we want to learn more about life in general or this topic or anything? Mm. I, I think I, you know, I, I always, I always want to point to my parents because it's what, where I came from. I, I'd say that I was raised, I was homeschooled for a period of time and I was taught to ask questions like, and, and that's, you know, I want to point you to just asking questions. Don't be afraid to ask a question of anything. I think when you want to look at vaccines, I think Suzanne Humphrey has a great book called Dissolving Illusions. And what's great about it is she goes to that fear place when they talk about polio or smallpox as the big argument of, well, what about polio and smallpox? And she really lays out the massive amount of doctors that were really giving a different um, report on how the vaccines were working and whether or not they really can be attributed to vaccines having eradicated polio. We also, at the same time, got toilets and clean running water. You know, so I mean, <laughs> right, when people right. say the greatest invention of the 20th century is vaccines, now the toilet. The toilet really was the greatest invention. Right, you know what right. I mean? Once we weren't drinking from rivers that had our own feces in it, you'd be amazed how much disease disappeared. Right. You know, so I think Suzanne Humphrey's book is really great. People can follow, you know, I interview so many people on this, as I know you do. So if you go to my Facebook page uh, at High Wire Talk, H-I-G-H, uh, Wire, every week I do a podcast where I interview people. There's a great writer, J.B. Handley, who I mentioned on vaccines. His, he's really done a great job of bringing all the science together so that people can take a look at it. You know, I have a, a spiritual life that leads me, you know, and I think that everyone needs that. I think meditation you know, if there's one thing, whatever, whoever, whatever version of meditation yeah. you want to explore. I noticed that when when yeah. when uh, you were in here, I sat you down and gave you a glass of water, and then I went off to grab my notes and stuff, and I came back in, and I was like, oh, I don't want to interrupt him. You were having a little meditation. I thought, I like this guy. Yeah, I think page. if you are meditating in whatever form, the appropriate questions and where you're going to find your answers are going to be much clearer to you. Uh, and that... That's really, and I think you know that. That's that's I think the guiding principle to really anything that you might be questioning. And, awesome. Um, you know, I meditate to try and allow the truth to just speak through me. It's it's I'm amazed that what comes out. I don't know. You know, I'm I don't know. I didn't consider myself a super smart kid. You know, I did pretty well. I got into television. I had a career. But this information is, it's it's staying with me, and I'm happy to be sharing it. 
Yeah. But it's available in a lot of places. And I say, you know, you know where to start your question of vaccines? Ask for the insert wrapped around the vaccine itself. Just read <laughs> right. it. Just read exactly what they wrote. The ones that are telling you it's safe. Right. And read those ingredients. Read the list of all of the side effects, including death. And recognize that you have aborted fetal DNA floating in these vaccines. And two, your chicken pox and the MMR both have the DNA of dead babies that you're injecting into your own baby. And then ask any geneticist that's working on gene therapies, would you inject fragments of, a, of another child into some child? And they say, no, that'd be crazy. That'd cause cancer and all sorts of issues. Well, why aren't the gene therapists talking to the vaccine makers? Wow. Gnarly. Uh, in addition to your Facebook page, do you have other sites and social media the, you'd like to send the, people to? The website that we that all the nonprofit work I do, we're currently um, suing uh, Health and Human Services. We have several lawsuits that are probably going up this year. We're taking the bull by the horns <laughs> nice, and uh, and uh, going right after the government and where I think it's injuring and hurting people. But you can watch that journey with us and you can also read the science behind our accusations and our issues at uh, my nonprofit is the Informed Consent Action Network, but the website is ICanDecide.org. Right. Okay. You mentioned that earlier. Yeah. Awesome. And then, of course, people can go stream Vax. I watched yep. it on Amazon Prime. It was included free. with my account. It's which free is great. on Amazon Prime. It's three dollars or something. If you don't have that, everywhere you can find documentaries, iTunes, all of it, and people really do. And if, if you think I know this, but I have a spouse or I have a relative or we want, and they're not. Vax is such a brilliant place to start. It's a very, I very agree. powerful Just, film. I would warn people, get ready to get super pissed yeah, off. <laughs> you know, like I said, I watched it late at night and I was like, I'm I'm heated now. Like it was hard to wind down. I was like, God damn it. You know, the little teenage punk rocker in me is just like, fuck the man. We got to do something. Like, yes. God damn it. This is wrong. You know, I mean, watching those parents, I mean, oh my God, it's just heartbreaking dude so i you know i just want to commend you for your courage and uh you know I'm, i know that you come under a lot of heat and it doesn't seem like it phases you and that must speak to your spiritual connection and knowing that you know you're in integrity and i just have a lot of respect for what you're doing i thank you for coming on the show i respect you for having me on the show so thank right, you keep until up next great time. work right on man So as we bring this mind-blowing episode to a close, I'm sitting here on the mic thinking about each and every one of your faces as, as we end this interview. And I imagine you guys sitting there with your mouths agape going like, uh, what the F just happened? Really trippy stuff, right? Um, those of you that have children, uh, some of you might relate to this conflict. I mean, what do you do, you know, to vaccinate or to not vaccinate? Which ones, when? It's a very highly complex issue. And so I'm really happy to open up this conversation conversation at least where we can all have a dialogue and look at things from a different side. Uh, you know, I really don't know what's going on. This was a lot of information for me to take in, but what I can say is it does not look good. Whatever's happening, I'm not happy about it. And so I'm really loving that at least Dell has the courage to start these conversations and bring some public awareness. And of course, as he said in the interview, like, let's just figure out what's safe and do that. Like, that's the goal. That's what I'm into. I'm into people being healthy and happy and uh, people having kids that do well that don't get sick or at least have a better chance of, you know, living a long, abundant, rich, happy, healthy life. And that's what this show is all about. So thank you so much for joining me on this episode. If you'd like to support my mission and the mission of the Lifestylist podcast, there's a couple different ways you can do that. I'm going to start with the easiest way. That's to just like pause this show right now, click share on your podcast player and text it to like two or three friends. Like, no kidding. Just pause it. I'll wait. 
10, 9, 8. I'm waiting, I'm waiting, waiting. You're probably paused right now, so you can't hear me. You shouldn't be hearing me. If you hear me right now, you didn't listen. You didn't pause your phone. But no, seriously, whatever you can do to share this information, especially this episode, you know, anyone that's planning on having kids or someone that's pregnant, I think they might really benefit from hearing this info. Um, You know, and as I said, they can form their own opinion or at least do some more research and figure out what the F is going on here. But that's one way that you can really support the show is by sharing this episode and every episode that inspires you with a couple friends or people that you love. If you really want to get jiggy with it, you can also go to lukestory.com forward slash support where you can make a pledge of even like one or two dollars on Patreon or through PayPal or reoccurring or a one-time payment. And it sounds funny, but literally like even one, two, three, four, five, ten dollars from you on a monthly basis. If you could skip like one crappy coffee that's four bucks a month. You know, if enough of you did that, it would really help to offset the expenses of the show. And of course, I have my advertisers and things like that. But as I add more video content and kind of grow the brand and grow the show and improve the production value and all of that stuff, it gets crazy. So if you're so situated that you can drop a couple bucks, you can go to lukestory.com forward slash support. I've made it really easy over there. And if you're not in a position to do that or that monetary contribution scares you, then just share the show. That's all I ask. Or at the very least, you can support our sponsors. So again, our sponsors were Health IQ. You can go to healthiq.com forward slash lifestyle. You can apply for some life insurance, which by the way, if you're someone that has kids and you're listening to this episode, your ass should have some life insurance, like no joke. But here's the deal. Health IQ can get you up to 30 Three, yeah, wait, am I reading that right? Yeah, 33% off your life insurance policy if you can prove that you're healthy. And if you want to figure out if you're healthy, it's pretty cool. They have a quiz. I'm about to take it myself. You can go to healthiq.com forward slash quiz. And that gives you your health IQ. You might think you're healthy because you're paleo or vegan or whatever. You're going to take that quiz and find out you might have a little work to do. But whatever the case, uh, chances are, if you're listening to this show, you probably lead a healthy lifestyle and health IQ will help you save on some life insurance. In the unlikely event that something horrible happens to you, you want to make sure that your peeps left behind here on planet Earth are taken care of. Next, I want to thank Organifi.com. You can find their stuff at Organifi.com forward slash Luke, spelled with an I. The audience discount is a whopping 20%. The discount code is Lifestylist. Next, I want to thank our friends at Juve.com, that magical red light device that you see me playing with on Instagram a lot if you follow me on there. If you don't, by the way, you should. You can go to Juve.com. That's J-O-O-V-V.com and learn all about red light therapy. They also have tons of really informative, scientifically geared uh, videos on their YouTube channel, which you can link on their site that teach you what le- a red light therapy does. It's pretty dope. If you're going to get a Juve device, you can use the code Lifestylist and save 25 bucks. Not too shabby. All right. Thank you so much for joining me. Again, don't forget to check in next Tuesday with my guest, Chris Chen in New York City, where we talk about Qigong, acupuncture, and Chinese medicine. It's going to be lit. Lit.